Greetings from the Seventh Circle. <laughs> <laughs>
There's only so much of a life that you can manage for that. Even fucking Bert fell into a depressive coma after he had nothing left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but to be fair, that was because the Soviet Union collapsed. Because Heather left it, we had to move on to that. I fucking in deep. It's sad, these fucking films. Getting down, poor Bert. Uh, yeah, with Trims as well, it's the first proper creature feature we've touched on. As far as I know. At least the first proper one that we've actually posted on air and I haven't made Stefan watch outside of the podcast. Yeah, the amount of times <laughs> that he's gone, oh, we're going to be doing this this week. I've watched the entire series and then recorded and then we haven't put it up. <laughs> For one reason or another, it's to protect you uh, from <laughs> dour quality because this show really does bring the epicenter and pinnacle of quality on the internet. In terms of oh, like, actual tell. creature features, uh, I just thought I'd bring up a question to start off, both of you. Uh, what does make a good creature feature? What are kind of the standard buildings of a good one? Start with Steph. Did you watch all that sci-fi original shit? Do Well, I don't... Uh, mm. I tolerate it when it's on. It's not so much I watch them. Uh, I tend have my dad to thank for this, but uh, he watches a lot of shit. So Sharknado or um, Sharktopus, stuff like that. He watches and actually enjoys them, and I genuinely don't know why. But from what I've seen, well, I don't. I've never actually seen a good one if Sharktopus is on my list, but I don't know, really. Plus, I'm not the video. I'm not the films guy. All the fucking tension in the air, Brad. You've got uh, all the pressure from that amazing answer there to rally up against. <laughs> what, what do you reckon <laughs> makes a good creature feature? All right. So, for me. It, it, I think there's a couple of levels. Hey, I mean, what is the direct, what are they trying to show? Is this creature supposed to be realistic? Are we looking at something more alien-like? Are we looking more mythology? So it, I want them, if they're making something like that, they need to keep into that realm. Okay, can't. I don't like jumping out. I want them to focus on that and make it seem like that. Second thing is, it has to be memorable. If it's something dumb or lazy, it just makes it awful. It makes the build-up horrible. So I've... There was one film I watched on Amazon Prime. It was a man versus really shit. I don't recommend it. It's painful, but they build up to this alien, and when they show it, you just it's you can see the laziness of this CGI alien. Is like this just ruined it for me. Wait, man versus? So, it's not the same fucker from like Man versus Food. Which <laughs> alien, is it? No, uh, no, it's more like Men versus Wild. So this guy's out in the woods filming it, survival stuff, and this alien is stalking him the entire time. It's bad. Can it's I, really bad. Can, can I just yeah, choose his answer from mine? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking welcome to. I can edit it how I want. I can make it Yeah, there you better. go. Just, just change his voice <laughs> to sound like mine, and we're all good. I'm worried too much, mate. I, the way I edit this, Steph always looks like an idiot by the end of it. Whoever gets the editing... <laughs> Chops on this. The other one looks like a fucking retard. Yeah, I cut out all his good jokes and leave the bad ones in. He cuts out all my jokes and just leaves the dead silence for me. That means that I have actual good jokes. I'll so whoever has the yeah, power of editing. Yeah, and this week it's me. If you couldn't tell. So yeah, uh, I mean, I'll give my own answer into the ring, and I have been seeing and thinking about it. So a little unfair, but hey ho, it's my show. 
for me, like a proper creature feature, and I think Tremors 1 does this amazingly, better than almost any other does. And you've got it with Jaws as well, uh, with Shaw, and I can never remember the other main actor's name. But it's not about the creature at all. If you want to do something memorable, it's about the characters that you get to face off against the creature. You need something basic, yeah. You need uh, something mildly interesting with a couple different features to it that can pose an obstacle, but that's all it is ultimately. It's an obstacle for the main cast to actually approach and attack. And if you don't have interesting people to do that, if you don't have interesting people to actually go at that and come up with creative, ingenious ingenious ways of pushing around, then you're going to fall flat on your fucking face. You know, like looking at other creature features around, uh, like Anaconda, you could take those characters out beyond John Voight, obviously it was great, and replace them with fucking anyone and no one would give a shit. You could replace the Anaconda as well, really. <laughs> no one would really care. But in terms of Tremors, you couldn't fucking replace uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's characters. If you took them out, the whole film would fucking fall apart. Like, and you could put them in a different film. Without the Graboids, this would still be entertaining for me, at least, if you kind of pose this around them trying to make it in the proper city. I'd still fucking watch it, because they're enjoyable enough, entertaining enough. Yeah, they, they work well off each other. Which you really feel, I think, in the sequels, which lo- obviously loses them, or at least half of them, for the second one. And the dynamics are never as fucking good. No. Fucking awful. I think you mentioned over like messaging when I asked you what you thought of them uh, before we all started it that Grady was like the worst fucking thing in cinema. Like I started taking notes and the, when, when Grady comes back it comes in. I'm going. All I wrote about him is I hate Grady. I I couldn't stand his existence. I just hoped and hoped that he would get eaten, but he didn't, and it made me sad. Yeah, these films have a fucking bizarre way as well of getting the most unlikable fucking characters and them not dying. Any other film, these people would be killed in a glorious fucking display of cowardice. I suppose, to be fair, Mel- Melvin's fucked by the third one. We'll get to that when we get to oh. it, but Melvin is <laughs> yes. absolutely fucked. And Bert has committed murder. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Yeah, I can live with it. <laughs> Uh, so, jumping into the actual Tremors stuff, uh, cast and crew directed by Ron Underwood, uh, who's done The City Slickers, which is going back to Chud, actually. It's um, a Daniel Stern film. Uh, Adventures of Pluto Nash, don't know if anyone remembers that. It's an Eddie Murphy film. That's not good in any way. Uh, Santa Baby and Santa Baby 2 with Jenny McCarthy, the anti vax woman. And Heart and Souls, which I believe is a romantic comedy with Robert Downey Jr. from like 1993. In that kind of Gilbert Grape era, uh, writers. So you get these kind of mainstay free throughout the entirety of all the productions of Tremors, at least the first four. Uh, you got Ron Underwood again, Brent Maddock, who works on first four Tremors films, as well as a series that came out in 2003, and SS Wilson, who did all the stuff same as above, uh, including a few kiddies' books. Uh, Frady Cats was the big one I managed to find, which is a comic adventure of Frankenstein. Where I fucking shit, you know, I'll put a link here if anyone wants to look at it. Uh, two alley cats, like fucking tabby cats, go and mess with a burglar who's currently going through Frankenstein's laboratory and they create a fucking cat Frankenstein. It's just fucking mental. 
Yeah, uh, so cast. Oh, a special mention as well after hearing a few things uh, to Nancy Roberts, the producer who made all this happen, really. She pushed on ahead. Uh, and she, yeah, she originally was going to post this to Disney. She sent a load of stuff through to them, said, okay, here's the, not the script, but, you know, the, the opener. This is what kind of we're going to go forward with. Disney rejected it. Apparently because one of the executives at Disney doesn't like dirt, doesn't like sound. <laughs> That's apparently they've got Wait, what? Gen- genuinely, like I heard this on a fucking podcast that uh Ron Underwood was talking about. There's a guy there that doesn't like sand. Fucking Anakin's working Disney's film choices, apparently. As yeah, uh she really fought hard to make it happen. Thank fuck she did. Yeah. So cast wise, you got Kevin Bacon as Valentine. Oh, also in Stir of Echoes, The Woodsman, Footloose, uh, Animal House, Friday the 13th, was classic horror stuff. And I just wanted to name in shame because fuck it, R.I.P.D., which um, Jeff Bridges' film, and Ryan Reynolds, which is fucking awful. I've said about five times because my mom hates terrible <laughs> films. Fred Ward, who plays Earl, who started as an Air Force cadet for about three years, apparently. Uh, he was in Naked Gun Free, 33 and a third. Uh, Escape from Alcatraz, the Clint Eastwood film, Miami Blues as well. Uh, Reba, I always get fuck American English names. I'm still gonna get fucking one of them wrong every time. Reba McIntyre, McIntyre, McIntyre. I said it yeah, right earlier. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't get how I fucked that up. Uh, but yeah, she was in Young Sheldon, which is a piece of shit. She did a Christmas album film thing, and I've not seen it. And I'm gonna before we do like the next lot of tremors. But she was in an Osborne's type show. Uh, called Reba, which was co-starring against her ex-husband, who she'd recently divorced, and was presumably living in the same house for the purpose of the show. I don't know. Uh, and then name that's going to come up in pretty much every film we do, Michael Gross, who plays Bert, who uh, kind of became the starring venture because he was the only one who said yes when they called back, presumably. Uh, yeah, borderline every Tremors film. Family Ties, which I think is a big thing in America. Otherwise, Becoming Santa, uh, Noel, both of them Christmas films, obviously. Camp Cool Kids, which has got to be shit. Uh, Making of Perfection, which is a podcast that came out recently by Michael Gross about Tremors as well. Uh, I'll be touching on a bit of it during this here and there, but I won't step on their toes too much because it's really great and it's nice hearing it from the horse's mouth. If you want to hear more about the making of Tremors and stuff, go listen to that. Making of Perfection is free online. I recommend it all the way. Uh, also in Cool as Ice, the uh, Ice... Uh, fucking... What's his name? The rapper? Ice Cube? Ice T? Yeah, Ice Cube. Ice, ice no, the fucking... Ah! Vanilla Ice. You, uh, sampled... Vanilla Ice, that's the one. Oh. The shit one. <laughs> okay, that was a joke, yeah. but all right. <laughs> he, he did a film in the 90s uh, that was meant to be opposite Grand of Paltrow, but a dad told the no, not a chance. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. That one, yeah. I was, I was going to go with Queen's um, sample thing. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, he, I think, played um, like a History of Violence style mobster, if I remember rightly. I have seen it years ago. Much to my own shame. Uh, finishing off, Finn Carter plays Rhonda, who's the smart girl who inevitably uh, sleeps with the fucking hero who was in Sweet Justice, How I Got Into College, Halfway Decent, 
Yeah, she's all right. She's she's done some stuff here and there. And then finishing off, I'll talk about her later because she's more of a presence in the third film. But Ariana Richards plays Mindy, who, if you were wondering where she was from, it's Jurassic Park. She plays the girl in it. It put me for a fucking loop as well. Yeah, same here. I had no idea. I still don't know who we're talking about. <laughs> the blonde girl from Jurassic Park. The, the kid, the granddaughter. Have you not seen Jurassic Park? It's been fucking years. She's like one of the... Uh, f- fine. Right, she's one of the main people in Jurassic Park. She was huge. She's really okay. irritating in that. She's a great actress, but really fucking annoying. She, she plays like the pogo stick girl in this. Budget, box office-wise. 11 million budget. Uh, 16.6 million. Tripled, apparently, on VOD release. Tell that the grand assault. Couldn't confirm that from sources. Uh, Trivia-wise... At first, the worms were going to have like an outer shell that would retract slightly to allow a red mouth to come forward. <laughs> Scrap. <laughs> For, um, I'm not. I'm not going to say why. If you know, you know. If you don't, uh, sex ed's going to be in a couple of years. You'll get the chest then. How long did it take someone to finally just go no, no, no to that? No. <laughs> I think it was like contact art, and presumably someone's fucking dog came in and red rocketed, and they just went no. I, I nah, I'd like to think that they built the like the animatronic for it, and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, that looks like a dick. Never mind. Talking about <laughs> dicks, uh, scene in which Finn Carter playing Ronda strips with the barbed wire stuff. Uh, wasn't rehearsed, so she could look terrified and flustered while stripping in front of Kevin Bacon, which uh, both dick move and makes dick move. So uh, Kevin Bacon broke down during filming, a la fucking Ian McKellen, when he realised he was in a film about giant killer worms. (laughs) Just lost his (laughs) fucking mind. Uh, He's been in Footloose, obviously, before this. He's a fairly big star. And his wife was pregnant during filming, uh, literally fucking gave birth as they were filming. It was a nightmare to get in contact with him. But we'd like to say it was the best time he's had filming uh, in his whole career. And the soundtrack. There's four songs on Spotify I found for the soundtrack. One of them's called Dropkick Me Jesus, which is just great. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. I think that's going to be my funeral song. It's not a bad song, to be fair. If you do want really good songs, uh, the woman who was in it, I said, just listen to her stuff, uh, Reba McIntyre. She's done some good stuff here and there. If you're into proper old-school female country, a la, like, Dolly Parton, Charlotte Reeves is a girl I know from the Midlands who I've seen. Kind of adhere to that. Or, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly decent stuff. So first things first, I want to say, because it's going to really culminate throughout the entire review of the whole film, Similarly to Chud, it's in an amazing way brilliantly wrote in a film you wouldn't expect it from. It's such a simple, unassuming film. And it just adheres to some of the basic tenets of script writing in an absolutely fucking brilliant way. And I went through eight drafts, seven drafts, where comedy and horror kind of shoved in, which is always a pain in the ass, And they had to re-push it around and take jokes out to make it less comedic occasionally. Uh, but with that came, I think, some of the best foreshadowing in a film ever. They got the fridge, the canyon, um, Mindy with the pogo stick, just everything culminating to bring it up into one beautiful payoff. Everything is set up in payoff, and 
paid off in this. I don't think there's a single wasted scene in the entire fucking thing. It's just brilliant. Yeah, thinking back on it, I can't think of anything that sticks out as like, why was that in there? Because that's, that's usually my thing. I'm very nitpicky when it comes to these kinds of films. Uh, I don't remember it. Or I don't. I wasn't like that with this one. Pretty much the same is. It seemed everything was planned out. There was nothing added extra, nothing to just kill time. It felt like the movie had a just great flow to it and made it really enjoyable to rewatch over and over and over again. Yeah, it's just everything, like the little details that you pick out on rewatching is just great. If you do like prefer our Angry Shadow reviews, which statistically, yeah, most people do, and most of you have switched off by now anyway. Uh, but this won't be one of them. Uh, this is just going to be me, like old school, gushing over something that is fucking brilliant. Possibly the second and the third one, and definitely with the last four, I imagine. But for this one at least, it is going to be a proper um, praising. The other thing I really want to bring up, that I'm going to try to yeah hold off on later because it comes up a lot as well, is that all the characters in this, I think in any other film, would be played for jokes, and they are to an extent in this, you know. But uh, the prepper, I think you were saying a breath that it was like prepper propaganda or something <laughs> for the whole three films. Really rewatching these, yes. Not as much on the first one. You start seeing more on the second one. And the third one, yes, it really came off that way. It's just someone's fucking fetish to see cut, <laughs> like proper um, concrete walls with steel reinforcements and someone jacking off or writing those words down. <laughs> fucking shotgun, fucking 50 cal. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not play for jokes, at least in this one, I think. Or at least to the extent it could be. He's not an absolute... Uh, characterization, absolute stereotype. He's not like a racist gun toting. I don't know if I'm just placing 2020 stuff over what I'd expect. Like it, nowadays, if it was in a bad sci fi film, I'd expect a MAGA hat to be on the guy. I'd expect him to be pointing the gun at people constantly and die as a coward running around, but he's fucking not. No. It's not if when they go for jokes, they're not like heavily pushed. They're just, I think it's just that right level, and they're not trying to beat in that reinforcement of that stereotype. They present the character, they present what he is, and that's you got it. It's good. You can move on. Occasionally, they throw in small jokes here and there, but in the end, it's not beat like it's just not beaten into your head. Yeah, it, it, it really is beautiful. Like every character in this has a purpose as well. Um, it, 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 they do hit stereotype. I, I really didn't want to put that across that they weren't complete stereotypes, some of them, um, for a proper small town thing. But eh, stereotypes exist for a reason all that. I mean, in terms of, um, as well, mass class of writing, you've got the chemistry between Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon and their characters generally, uh, which are fucking amazing and in any film would be really funny. Which is something that the latter films absolutely fail to hold. Uh, so you've got obviously with when you get two characters together for buddy cops is what it essentially is. You know, like nice guys. Um, if you go in horror, the thing with Keith Childs and uh, Beardy Boy Kirk Russell. If you, if you're gonna push down that kind of line of thinking, you've got to have two people who bring up each other's weaknesses, just complement that and still have a back and forth that's entertaining. Uh, which in this, they, they absolutely do. Like Earl and fucking Valentine, I could watch all day. Grady and Earl, I could grate my fucking balls with a 
rusty fucking <laughs> spoon before I'd sit back through watching them own a theme park and go on their fucking Monopoly trails. Oh, I hate that that's the ending to the second film. I can't fucking stand that that's a fucking conclusion that they opened the theme park. <laughs> the third film as well. It's just there's nothing there. Yeah. At least in the third one, there is a perceived satisfaction they hint at, so I'll at least give the third one that. Yeah. I didn't really pay much attention. I had to kind of skip through two and three, so everything you're saying right now is news to me. <laughs> hey, you'll figure out where we go. Going through the first from the start. Established, shit all middle of nowhere, tank perfection, population 14, and we first start establishing our two main characters, Earl and Valentine. Our two main characters, Earl and Valentine, who, as I said, bounce back off each other. They're kind of handy, handy men, I think they say. Just doing odd jobs, complete shithole stuff that no one else wants to do. Um, dealing with septic tanks. Those thing where they pump it into the ground. I'm presuming all this is an actual thing that people do. I've not done a fucking day's manual labour in my life. <laughs> and Steph works in a fucking factory but hasn't touched a, a product ever. Yeah, no. Do you mean... Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you would be sucking that shit out, <laughs> quite literally. Um, yeah, most of that is handiwork. And, like, the fence repairing stuff, it's just... Mostly it's just either they're doing ranch hand or small jobs. I say small jobs around the town, but others like where they're asked to build a, 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 a party oven, I guess. It's, it's pretty much yeah. whatever they can get, any cash they can get. I think they, they say at one point they've got $3 at the moment and they're going to get $50 for one job for doing like a, a push thing for Bert, pushing shit around presumably. Um, there's a lot of little things here and there, just like I said, like putting up barbed wire. There's a quick little joke, I think it was improvised, where he um, misses the fucking nail with the hammer about eight times. <laughs> yeah, Fred Ward didn't know about it. It's got a great little thing between the, the look around, presumably of actually Fred Ward going, Kevin Bacon, you this fucking stupid. You're not hit an exact point that you've rehearsed 50 odd times. And our third character's kind of introduced around this point as well. Finn Carter, who I know I've put in my notes, I've put it fairly blatantly in my notes, and I, I know these people know kind of what I'm pushing at, but for the listeners out there, there is no good way of putting this. Um, there was a thing back in the 80s and 90s, and now, to be fair, where you had people like fucking Alexander Daddario in the Leatherface family, which made no sense at all. That inbred fuck. You can barely stick his dick into a vagina because it's so fucking bloated and cancerous because it's inbred to nuts that he gets Alexander Daddario out. Finn Carter um, isn't a supermodel. I'll, I'll put it that way. She's out of my league. But is there a fucking nice way of putting this? She's realistic. She's a solid, like, six, seven. <laughs> <laughs> she, she seems I think nowadays... like a person. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah it, it's realistic. Yeah, she seems real. That that's a better way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> she's not like a set of tits and legs on a stick that's just pulled around. A blonde bombshell, as I think they'd like to say, Tammy Lee Tammy Lynn Baxter, um, who Kevin Bacon I presume was going out with before, which is a trailer park stripper name. Tammy Lynn Baxter, that's fucking horrendous. Anytime there's a double barrel, either first or second name, you know you're in trouble. So I was trying to recall the name. So I punched that into uh, Google's. 
Apparently, that person is a dancer in Las Vegas. That's all it says. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it fucking that way. She's an actual person. She's a normal being. And she has flaws here and there. She like leaves sun cream on her nose through the start. Um, Kevin Bacon doesn't immediately fall in fucking love with her. And she doesn't immediately fall in love with him. I mean, she sort of does, actually. She's infatuated with him before he is with her. I don't know. Is, is that... Who's pushing out of whose league there? Is that... Is Kevin Bacon seen as an attractive man? Um, nostril flaring and everything. I would say Kevin Bacon would be bad enough to her. Yeah, that's that's what I'd reckon. My dad thinks otherwise, but... I wouldn't let him shit on my chest. Do you have a preference yeah, with the person that does that? I'd let Fred Ward shit on my chest. Yeah, there's there's certain male actors that I'd be like, you know what? I'm not gay, but I'd let you shit on my chest. He's not one of them. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird that I have that list, but yeah. Go for R.I.P. <laughs> like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Rob Reynolds. Any of you listening don't think so? You're lying to yourself. Yeah, the time kind of built up every little part. That we'll kind of speed for a lot of this, to be fair, because it, it's just really well made, really well done. Establishment stuff first, like twenty minutes, fifteen minutes. You get every major character put in. Uh, Burton Heather. It was actually Heather's first. It was Heather's first acting job. This one, which uh, surprised me. I think she did a really good job. There's no like low points acting wise in the first film. Or the second. To be fair, any of the films are all pretty decent. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't remember anyone's name in this. So it's typical for me. So you saying Heather and. Uh, the prepper wife. Yes. Ah, there we go. Yeah. It's her first job. She's the country singer. It's her first proper, like, gig doing this stuff. So all the actors in this had to kind of fight, except for Kevin Bacon, had to fight to get the role as well. Uh, Bert especially. Michael Gross, who they were going to give to far more seasoned actors, and he managed to push his way ahead. I know um, the producer pushed for him as well. Uh, the guy played Earl, Fred Ward, no relation to Burt Ward, that, who uh, had to push for it as well. Done some stuff. He was in a jazz band at the time. Bizarre fucking history to him. He called Django because there was an old jazz singer that used to have that name. He's weird stuff. But yeah, they, they all had to really push for it and they all work fucking perfectly. If you'd have got the big stars to this, it just wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have that authentic feel to it. Through all this establishment stuff, You've just got the back and forth, Earl and Valentine being built. There's just a couple things here and there that I just want to point out, bits of dialogue. Uh, one bit that did make me chuckle a bit. Uh, we plan ahead so that way we don't have to do anything right now. Which is what they say about the fridge when that's like going off on one, which gets Chen killed, obviously. Later in. Uh, which I think is kind of a really perfect punched in bit of dialogue it establishes both the characters, the two of them, one being, you know, an impatient, he'll run off, one planning everything. Uh, strengths and drawbacks, and it's just pretty fucking funny. Pushes it on forward. Uh, and then you get them spraying shit all over someone's porch, and Melvin, the little cunt, laughs about it, as his shit is presumably sprayed all over his house. Yeah. So, there, there's one, like, archetype that I hate in films and it's that annoying like prankster dickhead that's like oh we're in like a 
in a life or death situation, but I'm gonna do something stupid and laugh about it kind of thing. I hate that dude in films. Maybe because I hate that dude in life. Oh. It, it it just yeah, I've met. Them. I don't see the reason for them. Yeah, I've met them. They're assholes. I think this uh, film's actually lacking in them, though. To be fair, he doesn't do much. Doesn't get anyone killed. Oh yeah, yeah. He do- he's relatively tame in this one. It's just uh, there's one scene where he runs out with like a a grab ass's tentacle mouth tongue thing and around his neck, and I was just like. Uh, I'd shit him on sight through that. I yeah, but should have took the fucking. He does in the third fucking film <laughs> take the opportunity to get him killed anyway. Uh, but yeah, should have just ended him there and fucking then. He gets more insufferable as time goes on. Yeah, you get those. You just it's constantly just and they're hoping, please die, please die, just die, just die already. I really want you to die. I can't stand your existence anymore. It never fucking happens in this film. No one gets like a satisfying death. It's just scared to paint anyone as like a proper villain, bad guy thing in some way, and which is admirable, I suppose, to an extent. But you don't have that satisfaction there. Uh, but yeah, his fucking porch gets shit sprung all over it, and which kind of brings uh, Val and Earl to fuck off. And this is where you get a proper build up of the creatures coming up. Um, so. I think the three major points here, you've got the road crew, you've got the sheep farm, you've got uh, four points. Edgar, not not Edgar, uh, yeah, he's Edgar, dehydrating yeah. on a pylon, and the doctor. Four kind of big things that build up all the graboids that come in later. Uh, I think this is about like Edgar dehydrating to death on the top of a pylon. If you drink that much fucking beer, I can tell you now, you're going to be dead in like a, a few hours. That fucking drunk in a nowhere town. He's fucked. Dehydration. Like <laughs> leaving me with a fucking box of Thatchers in the middle of Spain. I ain't gonna last four days. I'm gonna be dehydrated in the next twenty fucking minutes. If you let me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, beyond that, like a drunk guy climbing an electric pylon by himself. That ain't gonna happen fucking ever. Yeah, I can't even climb a pylon while sober. I mean, he might have this, just this one little sober clarity of haul ass up the thing, and then it probably kicked back in. I can imagine it's like, I don't want to get eaten, I'm going to climb this, when I'm up there, I'm okay. And then sit there for a moment going, fuck, did I drink something wrong, or is this real? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did like one thing, something I caught this time watching is, because in the past I've seen the film, I always wonder... Why is he still hanging up there? And I actually caught it where it showed his belt wrapped around the the actual sorry, the pole in there. Oh, shit. So, yeah, it's a little thing that I really like because it goes, okay, that explains why he just didn't fucking fall down and get eaten. Yeah, because he'd have to go to sleep at some point. Drunk sleep. his fucking ass. Yeah, once he fucking dies, it remorse yeah. wouldn't take any effect. It would just fall anyways. So if when you rewrite a script eight times, you build up this shit. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier uh, how to do a good creature feature. Like you build everything up slowly, which this film absolutely does. Partially because, uh, based on what I heard from Robin Underwood, the director, talking about it, it was meant to have a kind of dual aspect of is it a monster or is it a human murderer going around? Which a lot of stuff made a lot more sense than me after that kind of came out. 
uh, up until the, they're properly shown it was meant to be a, a proper is it this, is it that including like the human mask fucking thing that comes out the Hannibal Lecter style fucking face that the Graboids leave behind yeah when the, he uh, picks up the hat Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fucking, uh, by the sheep farmer, like a Leatherface-style fucking thing that's been left on, like, how's it? Yeah, I I will say, every death in this film, the Graboids have pretty much, sorry, the Grabasses have dragged them into the ground and then eaten them, like, entirely. I, I think that's literally just going, you know what? Just in case anyone comes past, we're gonna leave this like decapitated head here and put like a hat on top of it and then just to freak people out fuck it <laughs> so hide it the dead fucking shit be a giveaway yeah it was because uh, the holdover from it was meant to be a human killer possibility coming into it until the posters came out and they were obviously a monster movie and then they went out oh, fuck it might as well show them uh... a bit more it makes sense to an extent. I think they they kind of fucked up a little bit because the Graboids just wouldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. I won't count the second and third film's logic into any of this because it fucking shoves this one out the fucking window immediately. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that just doesn't make sense. They would have taken them in. But it's, it's a cool image. It's a nice visual to slowly build it up. Uh, the jackhammer especially with the construction crew is fucking hilarious. <laughs> he just goes down the road as he does some fucking like demon level thing, jacking into the ground and coming up with blood. And it's just being pulled along and he's dragged like a fucking hung drawn and quarter style. Yeah, they do a lot of off screen death. Well, actually, I think that's the only off screen death that they do. Uh, most of the deaths are on, well, on screen, they're eaten. Yeah. You've got, well, to an extent, you've got the tire death. That's off screen. Uh, Chang, which is now on screen, fairly on screen. Um, not that many deaths, to be fair. Yeah, I suppose you're right. The, uh, the, the grab passes aren't really much of a threat, then, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're dealing with a population of 14. Oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose <laughs> that's true, yeah. But to be fair, if a population of 14 and there's like three deaths, I think. Five, six. I think there's uh, six deaths. Seven. Ca- oh, it's Seven. not counting the fucking um, construction crew. Obviously, they're outside the fourteen. But yeah. Seven, oh, okay. So deaths. they've got like yeah. a they've got a fifty percent hit rate. They're, 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 not bad numbers. Yeah, not terrible. Um, I think it's they work a bit hard for the calorie count they get. Just surely going like fucking anywhere else, going after cows or something, would be easier than this shit. I think I think it's more of a principle at this point. Like this cunt's annoying. Let's just eat him. <laughs> <laughs> the way around for like three days, for Edgar, and then we're gonna yeah. go nuts. Well, they eat a car early, not the whole car, but presumably they have to go through the metland shit. I think that nah, is that really worth the fucking hassle? If I sat there and gone, well, I've got this chicken in front of me, but it's got a load of fucking lead in it. Do I want to eat that? Is it worth the fucking digestion? We go through heavy metal poisoning as I go through the chicken. Maybe. Yeah, chicken's fucking great, so I'd probably eat it. I suppose these guys are in Nevada, aren't they? They haven't really got anything else to fucking pick from. And the film doesn't have the budget to go for Las Vegas. Yeah, I'd love that. A proper Las Vegas-style Tremor massacre. That'd be great. That's Tremors 8. Coming to thick, well, DVD stores near you. I think it's set in Tibet. Tremors 8. 
it is coming, and we're going to fucking do the next one before it comes out so I don't have to touch Tremors 8. <laughs> so we That's never, not fair. We're never retroactively coming back to this shit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, go through all those three things. Doctor, uh, sheep stuff, and construction crew. But it, it sets up quite nicely. You don't see the creatures at all. They're fairly hidden. It builds up towards the giant worm things and kind of fresher moors from Mass Effect. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what I got more nostalgic about than anything. I like. I watched this and I was like, I could probably play Mass Effect right now. M- maybe it was just. Maybe it was uh, Mass Effect taking. Um, inspiration inspiration from I could see it, Tremors is a cult classic and you don't have to spend fucking 8 hours in the Mako destroying these things with the fucking bullets and that thing and that's hoping you could drive it in the right direction without flipping it 10 times yeah Yeah. (laughs) Kevin Bacon's more efficient than Commander Shepard fucking ever was (laughs) yeah, they come with a plan and stuff they head back into town and they basically go through the same idea a few times which is it's a decent plan get out of the fucking valley go up the granite side the fucking ronda gives this little speech about how they can't go through i've got the actual word written down here um it's a bit later on but i'm gonna mention it now because i'm annoyed now it's a word for diet um phylostonis Alluvials. Alastonis alluvials. Fuck off. Does anyone use that term? I don't care if you're a seismologist, a geologist. Yeah, I think it's easier to just say dirt at that point. Everyone uses the word dirt and rock. No one fucking does that. Fuck off with that. I don't fucking start talking about the semantics and pragmatics of the conversation, talking about the lexicon used. I say vocabulary like everyone else. She's not a pretentious prick. Don't go over that. Other small thing I want to point out as well, as they like keep leaving the town, you see this little sign that says leaving Perfection Valley, come again. Who the fuck's that for? Who's coming into Perfection Valley to tour around and come back? Is that a standard thing, like tiny towns? Probably the poor sap that is trying to leave the town and then like five years later is coming back because he realizes he can't make it. (laughs) (laughs) Just taunting Bacon and fucking Ward as they come back and forth. Come again, you know you will. You're going to fail. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they come with the plant to leave the valley. Originally, it's on trucks. Um, then it goes to horses. They come up with a few things, all of which fail. The Graboids manage to kill the horses. Uh, trucks get destroyed. Be honest, yeah, it, it kind of hit me. A lot of films, Friday the 13th, at Halloween, to a big extent as well, some of the big slashers. Not so much Nightmare on Elm Street, I think. The plot is dictated by stupid decisions. In this film, I don't think anyone really makes a dumb decision that drives the plot forward. I think it's all they make a realistic decision to try to combat the current situation and the Graboids adapt to it and then they have to adapt to that. I don't think at any point anyone does something really stupid. I think that makes it a little bit more enjoyable in a way because you've they're realistic. They're actually using their brains. They're coming out of attacks. And so there's a part of you that is actually rooting for them. When I see these other movies where they're making... You get people making these dumbass decisions. I'm. It gets to a point I'm just going, just kill them. Just kill them. I'm sick of them. They deserve to die at this point. He, these people, these characters, 
You're like, yeah, okay, that's common sense. That's smart. That's a good idea. I work. I want them to live here. To to kind of go off your point, there there's there's things that make that kind of contradict a like old old things that they put into play, like they always adapt and they the same trick never works twice, sort of thing. And then in the second and third one, they pretty much like ah, we're just gonna put grenades on RV uh, like little uh, remote controlled cars and send them out and we'll kill like 60 of them with the same thing but like in in the first one it's very much oh it happened once it ain't gonna fucking happen again you can't no yeah i I think that's a fair distinction to make between the two um in the first film they set up very distinct rules which is important in all horror films rules that all the graboids abide by for the entire thing and the graboids adapt within those rules they never circumvent them. They never climb on the rocks. They never do anything like that. They're always within that, and they adapt and fry within that to threaten our main cast. In the second and third film, what they do is fucking like Pokemon style, evolve the graboids, which I didn't like at all. Um, but I suppose if you need to keep a franchise going, which feels cheap to some extent. It, it's trying like we ha- we have these problems. We don't know how to overcome them. Let's just change the rules of the graboids i understand it like i know um in the second one they're kind of like oh it's like a they're linked to dinosaurs and oh fuck shit that. Like that fuck that oh, like big time i i kind of understand like they're going for like an evolution kind of thing but you'd think after a couple of million years they'd be like oh Legs seem to be a good thing, or wings. You know, we might as well fucking push on that now, like the rant about... The first film does a really good job of keeping the origin in check. I don't need to know any of this shit. I don't need to know how they do this. I don't need to know where they come from. And if I can't question it, then I don't care. You just leave it, and I'm happy to stay there. The second and the third film don't have the same restraint and just go fucking balls to the walls with telling me exactly where these fucking things came from. Which brings up a million questions and makes no sense immediately, because how the fuck would it? Unless you go magic, sci-fi, these things don't make any fucking sense. No, they make absolutely no sense. They make, they're sitting there saying, oh, these are from the Precambian uh, era. No, how, that's not fucking possible! Most of the life forms at that time was ocean-based, and we're talking about, like, jellyfish or, like, flatworms stuff. That's, you're talking about f- uh, 4,700 million years ago. Life didn't start walking on land until, like, uh, 470 million years. It There's no common sense to that. It makes absolutely fucking no sense. What would they do? Just eat nothing? <laughs> I think they, they're trying to put so much on this, trying to make sense, and it's like they didn't do any, like, a minute of research trying to figure out what would make sense. You could have, they could have just said, oh, they were drastic, or drastic pair, and I don't think anyone would ever fucking question that at all. But when you throw into an era that just makes utterly no fucking sense, I just want to strangle them and tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> It's more egregious that they didn't have to do it. They could have just fucking left it and I wouldn't have cared a minute. Yeah, it would have been I better think... saying a fucking wizard did it. 
I think this is one of the very few situations where if you don't show us, we're happy. Like, I know it. it's like a, everyone's like, show and show us, don't tell us. No, show, don't tell. Yeah, show, don't tell. Yeah. All the way. With this, just don't don't fucking bother. Just be like, oh, it, it's it's graboids. <laughs> and if they grow legs, fine. Don't fucking try and explain it by going, oh, they're, they're related to dinosaurs. I'll quickly probably like summarize stuff that's happened. I've gone through the sheep stuff with the head stuff. Um, in terms of the doctor, he's building a house. He does check on the dehydrated man. He gets killed because he decides to check on like a mine. He says, oh, it could be a mine where our generator just disappeared into the ground. So I'm going to go poke it with a fucking stick and see what happens. He gets eaten, which is cathartic. And his wife gets eaten in the car, which makes up a really nice fucking scene when you see the car poking out the ground. Um, which was done post filming, uh, the like the proper stuff. It was an extra scene they added in, which I'm really glad they did. It's really cool. You see, like the headlights come up and the radio. It's really nice. There's like slow build up, uh, and then you know you go through the whole thing. They try to drive out. They stall. I think they do. They stall because they like slammed into the back, or is it specifically because one of the tongues from a tremor monster grabbed hold of the car? Yeah, it's it's because one of the tongues grabbed the car. Um, if I remember correctly, that's how the tongue got torn off and they drove off with it. Yeah, exactly. Poor fucking monster. That's That's got to be a real bitch. Imagine your tongue being ripped out and then carrying on. But either way, they're, they're driving to town. Bert fucking notices the tongue coming out. Um, and then Chan comes up with a great idea to have a little photo with the monster for $3. Uh, because they sell it, I think fifteen dollars they sell the thing for, which a new yeah. creature, new animal that's or an alien. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say fucking alien because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Which would be worth what, like millions? Oh yeah, yeah. Like beyond hundreds of thousands to anyone. I can understand that these people wouldn't. It's it's not stupidity. It's ignorance. It's yeah. You, or and to be fair. Time. At this point, they don't know that there's like a armored shell kind of attachment to this creature, so they think that this tongue is basically the entire creature. They'd probably be like, "Uh, let's take this to fucking NASA or something, or fucking Area Fifty One, please, because I'd like money." Especially if if you're entrepreneurial kind of, uh, I've got another uh, they like. Handy men. Yeah. I think they'd be smart enough to be like, there might be some money in this. Let's. Uh, he fucking he fuck wastes all the ostriches in the second film. He's not smart. Neither of them are. To be fair, he bought an arcade cabinet, so he's okay by me. I mean, it was his own <laughs> fucking game, but. To remind himself <laughs> of the failure he did to not fucking put his own name against it. To, to be fair. He presumably cries in front of it every night. If he was, no- if if I was, say, if I was known for doing this, and they made a game with me in it about killing graboids, I'd be like, yeah, I'll buy a fucking arcade cabinet with me in it. Do you man- imagine how much bored out of their mind pussy that I'd be able to get from this? I'd have to bring ladies back, but I'd be like, yeah, in this game, that's me. You know that like three polygon figure there? That that's me. <laughs> So Cheng is smart. He does like a little photo op thing. Not as smart as you could be, but his little photo op thing where he puts the tongue around people and $3 a photograph. And we can do a little thing that 
we haven't done on this show ever. I'm going to put in some Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music. I'm going to do a little quiz. Fly along at fucking home if you wish. Da, 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 da. Right, I'm going to put it in. I'm going to... Oh, okay. I'm going to go all the way. I got uh, a list of three different attractions that exist in Europe. Two of them in the UK, two, one of them in Spain. All three of which I've been to. And three ones I've made up. And I'm going to give it A, B. You just tell me which one you think is made up and which one you think is real. Fuck. Okay. Yep. So, question one. Da, 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 da. Is the real one A, a teapot museum with 6,500 teapots that cost £2.50 to enter, or B, a thimble museum with 6,500 thimbles that cost £2.50 to enter? I want to say both. I imagine people are sad enough to to do both. I'm gonna go with teapot. Go with teapot I'm going eh? with the uh, teapot also. That sounds just a little bit more on that side. Gonna be Baywatch. <laughs> a is it Gnome World in Spain, a place with various outdoor activities themed around gnomes, or B Elf World in Portugal, a place with various outdoor activities themed around elves in Portugal. One of these genuinely exists, and I've been there. Well, since uh, you said you've been to Spain, I'm saying A, Spain. I have been to Portugal. I have been to both. Ah, well, there goes that one. You know what? I'm going to go with B. Let's let's split our let's split our differences. One of us is going to win. Yeah, that. I'll keep with Spain. And then finishing off, is it either A, Woodhenge, a place that used to have a Woodhenge, as in like a little. Uh, wooden points like Stonehenge but has since rotted and it's now just holes in the ground that costs £10 to enter or B, the Stonehenge replica which is a replica of Stonehenge that was built for the public to touch and costs just as much as the real one to visit I'm going to go with two, I'm going to go with B yeah I'm going with B also because <laughs> people that pay for it to, to look at some fucking holes in the ground are stupid <laughs> And drop roll fucking please. I'll... Plus that's trees, isn't it? Pretty uh no, they're, they're literally holes in the ground. Yeah, I know, I just meant like wood coming out of the ground, that's just a tree. I mean anyone could fucking go look at a tree. And the winner of that. It was A every time. Well oh, done for one A through, that's two for Brad, one for Steph. Wait! Yes. The teapot museum exists. £2.50 to enter, no tea provided. Gnome World in Spain exists, which was one of the worst moments of my life, <laughs> which I'm never, ever opening up about on this podcast, but involves a Go Ape style thing, me throwing up all over myself and German tourists taking a picture. Which I'm never, ever talking about on this. And Woodhenge also exists. Which is a place where there used to be a wood henge, but it has rotted away and there are now just holes in the ground. The fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> Why did you go to a teapot museum? Bored. In the area. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, I'm on holiday, fuck it, I'll go look at teapots. I wanted some tea. They didn't fucking serve it there. They had a cafe outside you had to pay more for. To be fair, I went to Texas and all I did for about two weeks was make get someone to make me tea every day. So, 
Yeah, well that. done anyone who pushed along with that. So this is kind of where it all kicks off properly. You have the two preppers, Bert and Heather, they go off on a ramshackle journey to try to find Rhonda, I think, is who they're looking for. Yeah. While they kind of prepare in their fucking base. I fucking, I'd love to just spend the day in that basement and shoot those guns there. <laughs> That's a fucking elephant gun sitting around, George Orwell style. It's this massive fuck-off double barrel thing. Yeah, I will say, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but he says you can load... It's a double barrel shotgun, but you can load four into the magazine, which in both cases are wrong. You can only load two into a... Fu- like, I'm not the gun that I live in fucking UK, so I don't own any guns, but... I think, yeah, the, the other two people, I'm presuming you, Brad... If I own the most guns, I'm going to be happy, but... Uh, I'm at six. I'm at one. He, he wins. That's not a lot. I have a, I have a, I have a CO2 pistol. Does that count? <laughs> We're only allowed... We're only allowed single-fire semi-automatic stuff. It's sad. I have a Remington 12-gauge. I have a Winchester 30-06. I have an M1 Grand... I have a Smith and Weston uh, 38 Special Snub Nose. I have a FMP 45, and I have a, uh, a Cap and Ball Naval Revolver. Uh, 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 uh. Proper old we school. May need, we we may need to talk about this later, but you've got an M1 Garand. <laughs> yeah, it's proper fucking old school Smith and Wesson 38 uh, old cop pistol. That's beautiful, mate. M1 Garands are fucking expensive. It's just work. a thousand. They'd be fucking worth it. Wouldn't you want all that? Oh, yeah. I mean, a bar. I'd love a bar from fucking World War II. M1 Grand, though. That's a fucking dream. How, how do you, which one do you reckon would be the best at fighting off uh, Graboids, then? What, the bar or the Grand? I mean, no, of all the guns you own. Uh, all the guns I own? It's either going to be... It'll probably be the, my, the, the 30 six hunting rifle. Just because it's gonna have the higher grains gonna probably be able to penetrate a little bit better uh the m1 grand has the same caliber it's just it's not as much not as high as a grain count so it's does it have as much punching power as a hunting rifle would and um if you have the choice of anything in bert's basement elephant gun is that what you go for as well yeah that'll probably be the best against the graboids you know i might as well go free for free uh if you could pick any gun ever Outside of explosives, fragmentation grenades or anything, would you go elephant gun or... Gun ever. Uh, no. Is this specific, speci- uh, specifically to fight grab asses? Yeah, fight graboids. Oh, okay. <clears throat> oh god, that's hard, because you need something that get through the ground, and that's hard. I think it's do. impossible, to be fair. It pretty much is. Um, you get fucking FMJ rounds. That still ain't penetrating anything. Oh, that's not going. A fifty cal might have a good, have somewhat of a chance, but it has to be pre almost touch on the surface. I mean, I was told um, when watching Saving Private Ryan uh, that the bullets going through the water, they'd be stopped almost immediately. You know, Mythbusters did yeah. a thing on that. Yeah, they'd uh, lose that. And I know that they mentioned it in this. I was kind of happy actually. It really does hold the logic up. Uh, Bert flies into the ground, does fucking nothing with an elephant gun, and he says, "You know, that's the biggest stopper." Uh, sandbags. I fired into sandbags. They stop shit quickly. It's uh, as much mass as you can put into something. 
I'll put Bert's fucking gun. <laughs> Bert's <laughs> giant gun in the second film. The anti-material rifle a la Fallout New Vegas. That fucking cage through what? A monster, uh, a shrieker, a concrete wall, and half an engine. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that thing was. That was just a 50 caliber. Yeah, I thought it was... Yeah, that I was thought just it was 50. Like... Yeah, that was a 50 cal. So Dirt would still stop that pretty... Dirt would... That... I was going to touch on when we got out. That would not have gone through all of that. It should have stopped somewhere before that. Especially with it traveling through oil. That would have created too much resistance for it. The bullet would have started being tearing, torn apart. But I think I would have to hope with the gun... I would have to hope that they're shallow enough on the surface. I would probably go for a Mark 19. I'll pretend to know uh, what that is. Uh, that's, <laughs> that is a automatic grenade launcher. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it, actually, yeah. <laughs> that'll push your head. <laughs> just, just make the hole for it. <laughs> I used we'd learn last week that there's a concerning amount of things in the US that are legal, like flamethrowers are perfectly legal, apparently, which is oh, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, used for control burns. Bullshit. It's used for nutters that want to push stuff into the air. You can use a fucking aerosol can and a lighter to control that shit. Yes, but here's the thing. You never answer that. It's for control burns. What is the purpose of an AR rifle? Oh, this is for varmint hunting. Uh-huh. Sure. What's the 50 cal for? Uh, but yeah, jumping into all this stuff. Talk about animals. <laughs> Horses are killed by graboids. Uh, so, early yeah. about the time they go off on the horses. The horses do this kind of, oh, we know we can set something underground, which is bullshit. No way horses can... I've never rode a horse because I don't want to be on top of something that can kill me really easily. Because that's really fucking stupid. And anyone who rides them, you're a moron. Use a car. Why you, who the fuck... Whoever lets their little girls ride on horses because they want to be a fairy princess and then get their fucking head ripped off by its giant teeth and then get their fucking shins kicked in and then pissed on by the giant horse penis and (laughs) stomped into the ground and buried by this huge... Who the fuck wants to ride these things that can kill you in a second? But yeah, these things run away because they hear a tiny vibration in the ground and could kill our protagonists, but luckily they don't because they're fucking giant 400-pound monsters. And uh, they're eaten, thank fuck. Three things I fucking hate. Camels, horses, and ostriches, which comes into the second film. <laughs> so we got, we just gotta hope that the four through seven at least introduce a camel. So we just not click the, all the boxes. Begin riding off, horses get terrified. They run away from the giant graboid that's moving through the ground. And this is where we probably get introduced to the, at least the majority of it. We see the front of it and the extended tongue. We see the size of it. get a far better idea as it slams like a fucking idiot into 30 tons of concrete at 30 odd miles an hour these things are going to be dead within seconds if this is their plan just go sky high in one direction slamming into rocks not being able to see shit they can kill themselves doing this it's a wonder they're still kicking uh, oh yeah this is pg-13 as well something i meant to yes. mention earlier back in the days where pg-13 meant something uh, i was obviously now you get some really horrifying, terrifying shit that gets the PG-13 ranking. Uh, Coraline, I know that's like 10 years ago now, but that's the one that comes to mind for me immediately. The Button Eye film. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things. But in terms of swear words, shit, fuck, 
you can't use cunt at all on PG-13 back in the day. And now you can't really use fuck, I think, more than once. I think they did it on, was it Mock of the Week? They talked about it. Where they kept saying the word fuck. <laughs> just to piss off the BBC. And shit, you've got so many shits. It might just be for Britain. I think for the US it's slightly different rule-wise. Who knows? Uh, we, we're usually a bit less um, involved than they are. I know Suicide Squad recently, we gave it a 15. The US gave it an 18, which, what the fuck? Giant shark-eating people and starfish going around. With the US, it feels like they clamped down on that a lot for some unknown reason. I don't know. I guess their parents are afraid if their child hears fuck too many times, they'll become a psychopath. I don't know. Get that shit. Steven Spielberg originally invented PG-13. A really interesting story behind it. It's got muddied since. It's a shame. It was a really useful tag. You could show tits in it. Save uh, young kids having to go out and buy porn. They could just look at Jennifer Connelly and wank off instead. It's a real service to the growing adolescence of the country that's since been just cancelled. I suppose no internet porn took over, so hey, uh, not really needed anymore. Yeah, <laughs> That's the only purpose for the internet. Also, if you want to laugh and you're in like your 20s, 30s, just ask your dad what you used to have to wank off to and you hear about him having to fucking pause scenes. <laughs> I suppose laugh or and or like horrified realisation. <laughs> Depending on uh, the fuck you are. You had to do that at fucking like, what, 20... Did you have to do that, Brad? Did you have magazines? Yeah, Young yeah. boy in like a hedge that could show you? Mag- yeah, magazines. Slamming into concrete, you see the whole thing. It holds up, at least as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about YouTube, but I, I think it still looks pretty damn good for what it is. Yeah, it looks good. It's real enough for me, so I didn't really have too many issues. And I like that it they do finally get to show what these creatures actually... These graboids, or grab-ass, whatever you want to call them, what they actually look like. So... And that's one thing I do, sometimes that bothers me when you do these creature features is if it's really neat design, I think I like the Graveloid's design, is just wait until like the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes before you show anything. It's, it kind of kills me with that. Uh, the classic Predator and Xenomorph. They were yes. kept in the dark. For Alien it worked. Um, I think you saw enough of them, to be fair, to what you're saying there. You saw enough mm-hmm. that, that kind of added to the imagination. And Predator, I think you had the external threat anyway. But I know what you're talking about, that there are those films out there that keep them way in the dark for fucking hours. Like an hour and a bit, and then you see them at the end, and nine times out of ten, those zat-looking motherfuckers. That one time, it's, oh, I could have seen this a bit further. No Retreat, recent film that did it, with um, Wendigos. Uh, kind of similar to... That uh, Until Dawn game that came out, yeah, that that kind of had that problem. I, I, they put a lot of money into it. Clearly, um, the original idea was they obviously you get, when you write a script, you can't give the exact specifications, and the person who's making it has to kind of have some creative liberties, uh, mess about with it. The only thing they had for certain within that was uh, when the mouth opens, it looks like a flower opening up to make it look a little unusual. Which it does is certainly better than the dog dick. Red rocket (laughs) jumping out. (laughs) Getting to a part that... I think this is the only part of the film that annoyed me from a logic perspective. I can see why they did it. But you 
basically get them chased because they find out there are it's three more, isn't it? There are three more running around. Yeah, they come to uh, a chase a little bit where one's coming straight at them. They get onto a rock, which incidentally is how the film, the original scriptwriter, came up with the film. He was sitting on a rock in navy in navy training. Uh, and came up with the idea of, oh, what about a creature that made you stay on a rock for three days? More intimidating than that, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, can any of you pole vault? Uh, no, I know my brother did it in high school, but yeah, they wouldn't buy a pole for me. Fucking perfect. <laughs> How hard was it for your brother to pole vault? Well, uh, considering he racked himself in horrific ways a couple of times, I would say really hard i wouldn't get anywhere near it i'd end up looney tunes style with the pole fucking dead center and slowly slide down as the graboid wait to eat me at the bottom <laughs> like a fucking fireman going to his death that's exactly the position you'd end up in in this situation that's what kevin bacon and fucking fred ward would have ended up in i've got you would have to get the pole at the right spot because if you're running for it and you place it, you get that rock. That's pole slipping. You're going face first and you're going to get eaten. It's, there's just too much that could go wrong. It, I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't buy it. <laughs> I tried to find out like, if it was a stunt performer or not. I couldn't. But it's either a stunt performer or it's them fucking having done this for weeks beforehand to work this shit out. Two bits of uh, I fucking say evidence. Pulled on. First thing first, um, do you know John C. McKinley from Scrubs? Played Dr. Cox or Platoon? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, he had to pole vault for a film with Martin Scorsese uh, years ago. Didn't have to do it. They had a stunt performer in, but he, he Scorsese asked him, you know, can you pole vault? And he said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can pole vault. Bullshitting his way. And then took pole vaulting lessons for 12 fucking weeks to go through it, which was grueling uh, by his notion. And then on the day he did it, and then he said, oh, you know what, I wasn't too happy with that. You know, let's go for a second take. And then Scorsese went, you know, you see that guy over there? That's the guy we would have got to pole vault if you couldn't do it. <laughs> fucking idiot, because we knew you couldn't. And that wasn't over and over again. Uh, the only other the other piece I've got here, it's on Cora, so take the grain, obviously, kind of Reddit style. Um, but what I gathered from pole vaulting, you have to push the pole away from you when you take off, obviously, which is kind of terrifying in itself because it's you know, your only source of security. Uh, you have to invert your elbows on the inside of the pole, not the outside, which is a bit unusual. And you have to push the pole high above your head as possible. What? So, yeah. Uh, and they're choreographed. They're like fucking doing it one after the other. It's, it's so bullshit. They need like fucking 80s style... Uh, dance music to this shit, like synth music going along. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, jumping through this, uh, I'm ignoring the pole vault stuff, they drive back to the village, um, which a bit of an action scene to it. Got to kind of put a hand on the pedal, climb through the window, they all do it together. That's quite nice. It, it's pushed together really frantic and I think more to the tone of the film, which is very ramshackle uh, and small town people trying to survive against this threat on things that they can actually do rather than pushing on the pole vaulting ship well i have to admit that was pretty good steering for not being able to see woman driving back into town i want to make mention i think i brought it up but i do want to properly put it to bed um the smart pretty women trope pretty woman trope that was in the 80s 90s 
uh, the girl that was kind of tacked on that knew all the sciencey side of things and could drive you know the protagonist to come up with the actual ideas that would cement everything i fucking hate it whether they aren't a character they're more of a plot device to yeah. push everything along especially in the second film it's it's fucking awful and really transparent in the second one but in the first one it's it's almost forgivable and every single time you know this girl is going to fall in love with one of the retards they've got for the male leads <laughs> Every time, and she does in this, they do in the second, and spoiler alert, they do in the fucking third as well, which is the worst by far. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stand it. He was, uh, Kevin Baker, he saves a life, so I can kind of, I can push it aside for this one, fair enough. He saved a life. It's Kevin Bacon. He's, he's alright. They, they go through some dialogue stuff when they go back with Rhonda, and they start going over, culminating the knowledge that they have, I'd go over the dirt shit, which they also they have a line that I really loved. Um, Rhonda says something like they, they ask where these creatures came from, and she said these creatures are unprecedented, and they respond with yeah, but where did they come from? <laughs> I don't know. It's just little bits like that I can live with. It's almost stupid, you know, taking the piss out of stupid people, but it's believable to an extent. I don't see why these people would have heard the word unprecedented at any point living out here. I don't. I can live with that. And it's, it's mildly funny. And yeah, I think someone says something about along the lines of someone's bound to check up on us. I think fucking who? I'm sure you get like one delivery a month or something. <clears throat> the, uh, the post office probably want by once a week at best. Um, unless there was a service that went through that city, like a telephone electrical or something like that, where if they see a cutoff, they're like, well, we gotta get this fixed for the people that matter. They'll would the 14 fuckers including like fal and earl making up a sick for the population but bullshit like uh they're not gonna give a fuck what happens to this place uh it kind of then kicks off properly i know i get praise earlier i'm gonna do it again here uh they've set up a load of things the refrigerator mandy uh, sorry not mandy mindy the prick melvin being a coward and i know there's something else i'm completely forgetting about generally around the town they've set all this stuff up to basically go to shit now first thing goes off Mindy on her poker stick uh, which is followed shortly by the fridge and Chang all things which as I said earlier aren't pushed forward by character stupidity they're very nicely pushed forward just by events that would reasonably happen and no one you can really blame around it Everyone kind of running around, a uh, complete shit scene. Uh, you have Rhonda and her stripping scene with the barbed wire, which seems unnecessary, but I'm not going to fucking complain. <laughs> bit, uh, there bit, probably bigger, is someone that would complain. Bigger men than me. Better people than I am. <laughs> they can go for it. If they want to they wanna go and take that battle to Bunny, I ain't fucking standing with them. It was it was necessary to, like, as I said, like adolescents in the 90s to get off. This is all they fucking had. Leave them to it. Let them have it. It pushes on. What is a bit shit? I said this wasn't rehearsed to get her actual reaction to Kevin Bacon seeing her half nude, which is shit. Um, but it, it's obviously gets trousers on fairly quickly. They push on. Uh, fridge goes off. Chang's eaten in one of the best scenes in the film, probably. In terms of creature design, that's it's really fun. You get to see the proper thing fully. 
not really that well until you get to Bert later on. But yeah, Chang's eating, which is a shame. I like the guy. He's been yeah. some really good stuff as well. He's been like little uh, big trouble in little China and all that. It's just, there's very few deaths in this in terms of the town. Uh, the mother, I wouldn't give a fuck about, but she was in a razor head, so she's bought some points for herself. The child's on a pogo stick this time. It's so open to be killed. It's so easy to just eat her up, and it'd have been fucking great to have like a little jump the shark fons thing of just gulp. <laughs> yeah, I'll give I'll give this one some some leeway because that's the only way you could get PG thirteen. The second this kid dies, it's not PG thirteen anymore. The second this kid's fucking gulped, so this gets some leeway. But you, you are still fucking pussies. Not getting this kid killed. Pretty much end up the the second act. Ronda's on a water tower after the fridge has been taken down, and our main heroes are on a roof store. Uh, Melvin's in a what an outhouse. A shed. 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 Fair enough. Yep, just a shed. And he refuses to get on the roof for some reason. Don't know quite why. He's an idiot. That's a, <laughs> that kind of works, actually. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got... I've got um, Miguel as well on the roof with two heroes on another roof in the middle of nowhere. You've got the mother and daughter and then Bert and... Heather, start... Okay, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Is it mixing ammo? Is it dredging out, filtering out sand or yeah, some shit? Yeah, it's cl- cleaning out. They're pretty much cleaning out. They're kind of polishing the brass almost. You're just getting the ammo, starting to clean it out, getting it ready to reload. So that makes sense. I'll, I'll take it on you. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's called a tumbler, I believe. I think you're right on that. I was just fucking guessing, to be fair. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. That's that's the thing that goes on. They do that, uh, and then yeah, my absolute favourite scene in the film, which I suppose is what brought Burr into the limelight uh, later in the film, the limelight, limelight, yeah, limelight, where they crash into his basement, the graboid, and you just see this beautiful fucking wall of guns. It, it, it just everything you could fucking imagine is put on there, along with an elephant gun that he just has around. For reasons. <laughs> oh, it's a gun porn for like a solid two minutes. And I wouldn't have it any other way. No, I, th- I think it's pretty. I do enjoy how they keep focus on them and the monster. And then when they unload it, then they just kind of turn to the wall and you just see all these rifles and pistols. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I glint on it. I mean, in, a, in a, a shit film. <laughs> He'd have been killed in like an offhand way as he's running away as the cowardly prepper nutter, like crazy person. But in this, they they fully know to go just let him have at it. Um, so the fucking elephant gun. Uh, I think I saw classic like Vietnam era rifles M1 for. I'm pro. I'm fully pro Second Amendment. I own guns. <laughs> I'm happy to push that forward. <laughs> bye bye, viewers. <laughs> That's us tanks. I, I did enjoy the the flare gun. I, I think oh, that had the a flare good gun, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not actually that bad of a deal because if I remember right, the, those flares are using phosphorus, phosphorus, phosphorus. There we go. And so that's going to keep fucking burning. It's going to be horrific for that thing. It's going to really. I, it's really questioning its life decision at this point. Should have gone to college, you know? 
Uh, from a film perspective, you know, Fire of the Flagons, cool to fucking watch. It got yeah. nuts and blow along. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a line, I know, I know I've put wrong basement, mate. That was when I was watching it again from the start. He says wrong rec room, I think, which is so, yeah. so much better. Broke into the wrong rec room, didn't you? I suppose it's a good point to ask if you could pick anyone to carry on the franchise, would it have been Bert throughout the whole of the rest of it? Um, I think he works better as a side character that can be enjoyed that way. I know I've not seen the rest of them, but I know they, they try to add a lot to his character. But do you think he's the right person to push forward into the third one and the second one at least right now? For him, it would make sense as a character because this gives him a realistic physical enemy that he can justify all his preparedness with. But him as the character, it doesn't, I don't think it works the greatest with him being the lead. Yeah, I I suppose I'll have to tell with the next four films when we get to that. Um, the third film we could get away with, I think, a film of content. It was grating then. I think that I don't think you could hold that all the way. So it's it's going to be difficult, I think, to really stretch that out. I don't they have a fucking subplot where he's got his son in the fifth film. Yeah, oh my God. it's, it's no, going to go down well. that way. Oh, I'm already excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the grab boy gets killed, so we're down to two. And he says something towards the end of the film, to pick up on as well, where he says he'd be better off waiting in that room. I think he's right. In a weird way, I think like grabbing a shitload of guns and just giving to Valentine and Fred Ward, Earl, and then Heather and uh, Bert obviously have one. I think they could have survived better. Just fucking backs to the wall and shooting like shit, whatever came in. Yeah, centre of the room, like yeah. back, backs to each other. Guns at each end of the wall. And it would have actually worked, but yeah, they, they leave, which again is believable. You know, they, they don't know all about the wall stuff. They're not the smartest people in the world. I wouldn't fucking know to do that either. You know, I'm not strategic in that kind of sense. Um, I'd, I'd have fucking died ages ago, so, you know, they're, they're smarter people than I am. And I know for a fact they wouldn't do this. Culminating, actually, in a guy, one of the only death scenes we get at this point is where the Graboids, they kind of learn, they begin to push forward, um, and they start checking the foundations of each building, and they get to a mobile home, which obviously immediately fucking crashed down to the ground. Caravan, for any UK viewer. And the guy, one of the guys are on it, one of the red shirts, falls onto the ground and goes for a fucking tyre. <laughs> Retired enough to get eaten by a graboid because you got uh, tired, pretty much. Yeah, I was like, terrified, <laughs> goes to the nearest fucking thing that's off ground, but... It's just, it just folds him through that tyre. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's like fucking, if Mario was crippled, just pushing down, just... <laughs> Legs sticking up, hands up. I'm trying to remember what fucking film where there's a guy like head, hands in the air, legs in the air, and he's pulled in. Um, and they come up with a plan. They're going to use the giant. I'm going to have to get this right now. It's not a bulldozer. Is it a bulldozer? It's got a thing in front of it. Yeah, it's a bulldozer. Yeah, it's a bulldozer. Uh, they're going to hold a trailer behind it, like not a fucking caravan, a. Um, like a, a big bin, a big container behind it. Like open sky thing uh, and 
for Valentine to get there, or Earl or Valentine to get there, they're going to set a tractor off, which Miguel does, uh, which is really nice because beyond like Melvin, who's a pussy, uh, they let everyone kind of pitch in. No one holds back on this, which I really like. Uh, it's not all left to just Earl and Valentine. And Earl and Valentine do their rock, paper, scissors thing, which has been a running theme for the whole thing. And Val punches Earl after he loses to run off and get the digger. I just think it's really nice. It's kind of a proper, like, Earl brings up the plan and Valentine, he, you know, he's the young cocky prick who just runs off to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, enforces character and all that stuff. And it, it works. You know, I don't have anything to say about this part is they just pick up uh, Bert and Heather and everything goes well until the Graboids adapt. And then the Graboids, so from what I gather, they lay a trap where they open up a load of dirt in like the middle of the pathway of the truck. Are they smart enough to do that? Nothing really shouted at me that they are. I I thought that one was a little bit of a stretch. I mean, they even I get the comment of like, what are they doing over there? I don't know as long as they do it over there. And it's like, wait, if you can see them doing stuff over there, why didn't y'all see them further ahead doing this exact same thing? I... <laughs> I don't, it's, they would have to know what, what direction they are, they had to predict their movement, and they had to time it well, which I don't think is realistic for them. Yeah, they're not incredibly stupid animals. I feel like a tiger level, a polar bear, like a very smart predator, mm-hmm. um, like if a chimp, they can adapt, but I don't know, maybe it, if they're aliens, I could kind of live with it, but they're fucking earth-based. And if they were, I suppose if I was going to do it, digging the uh, digger directly, pushing it into the dirt, kind of digging straight in front of it, that kind of work. At least stopping it, I don't know. Or just a few metres ahead of it, not digging a trap or some such. Yeah, it just didn't quite push forward for me. Necessary, I suppose, to have the third act and everything kick off, but yeah. (laughs) Just a quick thing i'm gonna to forget to mention otherwise Bert gives a gun to melvin with no bullets in um but i suppose an american would be better off kind of noticing all this stuff but Bert's amazingly gun safety aware throughout all these films like i noticed his finger wasn't on the trigger unless he's going to shoot it which some of the other um actors and characters they are always on the trigger but i did something to say that Bert isn't that stupid he fucking knows his guns it's really fun, um, or at least being a smart stereotype. Uh, but yeah, he gives Melvin a gun with no bullets because <laughs> Melvin's a prick, and you don't give a guy who doesn't know how to shoot things a gun. He's, you're just going to end up killing each other. See, that was a perfect test, in my opinion, to see if you really want to give him a gun. You just handed him a gun. What does he do? He got that. No, the first thing you do is you open the breach and check if you got freaking ammo. Yep, but he's a fucking idiot. He's, yep. Firing off to the way. I wouldn't trust my mates giving me a paintball gun. <laughs> alone this shit. I gave her a tire beating and a paintball gun. I thought that was on a right shot at the time. We shot him in the back. He's not going to listen to this, so I'm quite happy to say that. What about like fucking D&D DMs? Fucking messed him up. To be fair, it, it's all really nicely built, and if anyone wants to add anything, go ahead. Um, but it, it's you got two graboids left. And the way they're killed, in separate ways, it's really fun. One is with, like, a lasso, fishing over to him to pass him a bomb that he eats, and they blow him up. The other adapts, fires the bomb back, 
and he ends up, they throw a bomb behind him because they work out they've run away from the noise, they get hurt by it, uh, and he goes like off the canyon that was established at the start. It's just really fun, really quick, nice ideas that are pushed out, improvisation from the actual characters. Uh, it's, it's nothing I can critique her, nothing at all. It's just really great. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. It, with them coming up with the ideas, they do work with off of each other, like... Uh... Earl coming up with the idea with the fishing is Bert rocking himself out, getting eaten to blow himself up. I mean, there is something there. I like there is a logical progression with that stuff. Um, the fishing was a good idea. I, lo- I did enjoy that. Uh, I mean, the cliff, yeah, worked. The cliff, I can tell I, because Earl's whole yeah. idea, Earl's idea was very safe and had structure behind it. Valentine, I expect to have these half cocked. Let's try this, and I'm gonna fucking die if it doesn't work. He's spontaneous. I uh, yeah, I like that. He, he'll do that. I mean, it worked based on the characters that you'd established. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just really great. Everything really culminates in this little ending where they both die, and it's fucking cool to watch as well. You get guts spewing everywhere, uh, the giant prosthetics splattering on the ground. Melvin's a little bitch carrying the corner. <laughs> what else yep. do you want? <laughs> I suppose the only criticism I'd make of the ending is Val getting the girl, which I always hate in films like this, where it's, as he says in fucking self, I've got no prospects in life, I've got none of this, you know, I've saved the life, sure, but fucking not going anywhere. And he gets some seismologist that's on her way to becoming the next zoologist, fucking supreme. Fuck off. She's going <laughs> to slap that bitch away. He's going up in an nowhere town. That's what annoys me. This doesn't have to culminate in every other film. We do advice on this show uh, to people, which never good advice, but hey, we, we're the ones fucking giving it, so expectations and all that. There's a friend of my dad's who's married to a woman in America right now who's way out of his league, who had the uh, strategy in dating, basically throwing as much shit at the wall, see what sticks, ask 100 girls out at night, and at least one of them will say yes and go with that, which is a good, good genuinely good way of doing it. I've found you can fucking... Using horror films as uh, inspiration, you can really smudge that together as put yourself in a hundred horrific situations, horror movie situations, and a girl will be built to fall in love with you in one of them at least. Seemingly every fucking horror film has a girl that's built to fall in love with a protagonist. I, I just hate it. Especially in the 80s, 90s stuff. Uh, I think you hit everything with that. It's just the typical happy ending. Yeah, I, it's what I want for a film like this. And we can push on to the DVD, fucking straight-to-DVD sequels. God help us. Tremors 2, Aftershocks, uh, which is a great subtitle. I'm a huge fan of puns. Back to Perfection as well, fucking amazing. I love these titles. Uh, directed by S.S. Wilson, who was a writer on the previous one. Written... You're never quite sure how many of these are just like character by and story by credits from the first film. It's always a bit of a pushover, but uh, you've got Ron Underwood, who was a director on the last one, uh, Brent Maddock, who's going to come up a lot, and S.S. Wilson again. Uh, Cast-wise, Fred Ward comes back as Earl, same stuff. Michael Gross comes back as Bert. I'm not going to fucking repeat all of his stuff every time. I'm going to say he's been in Cool of Ice, Cool as Ice, just every single time. Just to remind him the shit he said yes to. 
Uh, Helen Shaver comes in as Kate, who was in Desert Hearts, uh, The Park is Mine, The Colour of Money, which is an actual film, The Believers, the film I've heard of, and also starring is Christopher Garten as Grady, who was in Sins of the Preachers, uh, Buddies, Changes, not the David Bowie song, and Ultrasound. That's not that fucking you were getting eaten without me, weren't you? Commercial. That's that one. He's he's that fucking guy. <laughs> Holy. He's one getting cooked by the yellow M&M. Or the red M&M. While the yellow M&M watches from the closet. Fuck. Okay, I'm glad to know his career is doing fucking terribly even now. Presumably he lost his wife to a fucking, I don't know, curly whirly or cream egg. First things first, Roger. Oh yeah, budget box office. Uh, budget $4 million. I can't find the box office did have a limited theatrical run. It was meant to have a budget of $16 million because Kevin Bacon was going to be signed to do it. It was going to be set in Australia, but he dropped out, uh, probably because he was filming Apollo 13, to be fair to him, scheduling conflicts. So all the actors had to take a pay cut for the film to come out. So a lot of the graboids were refurbished from the first film. Earl... To do other trivia, Earl struggles with some ostriches at the beginning. Uh, apparently, they're both male. I don't fucking know ostriches. I'm not a zoologist, so I'll take INDB's word for it. Uh, and to achieve the infrared view of the Shriekers, the actors wore red suits with yellow stockings and were shot. Bear me here. High a videotape and blown up to 35mm film uh, and a grainy post-production effect was added in so yeah i'll have to ask cinematographer for that but so yeah before we properly kick in um just want to give some props like i did with ronda in the last film for the casting of that being an actual person uh the casting of kate being helen shaver i've wrote tom cruise in my notes as a reason of that i, I just imagining if this film had any like superstar tom cruise in his 50s, or Leonardo DiCaprio, how old would she be? She'd be like 30, like late 20s, right? I just want to give this film some credit for not having a really young actress. Although they might well have this clause in this film, and they just possibly couldn't find the actress, because she is all for him, all the way through the film, to a ridiculous level. And she's a playboy, ex-playboy model. She's that's a, quite smart. She knows all the jargon and shit. And she still goes for Earl. It's, but yeah, uh, jumping into this film specifically. Uh, we start off with, mentioned before, classic horror movie trope, Scream style, where you have, you set the tone of the film by having an early death from a red shirt that no one gives a fuck about. You also set up the rules of the universe uh, when you do this, if you do it well. Um, which this does, <laughs> fucking physics. Do, do these filmmakers not know what conduction is, or convection? Do they not know how sound moves, vibrations? Like when this fucker jumped on oil barrels, he'd have immediately vibrated it, and the graboid would have felt it. Surely, the logic in this film, all of it goes to shit. No, no, I, I don't mind it so much because it's straight to TV garbage. 
And that's the audience you're going for. All I want from this film are explosions, tits, and things being fucking killed. I don't care what else you got. My standards have lowered considerably for this shit. The second you go straight to DVD, I don't give a fuck what you do. Wishmaster 4, I, I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to continue that sentence because I'm going to start on another fucking rant. Wishmaster 4 spat in the face of the other Wishmasters. This film doesn't. This film's incompetent. Wishmaster 4 is malignant. There's a difference. There's a big difference. This film's just fucking retarded. Wishmaster 4 was some evil fucking mirrored universe against Wishmaster 1. This film's fine. This film, the fucking lead actor doesn't know what gender ostriches are and he spent all his money on two ostriches that are both male i love that fucking fact he tries to get them to breed um they're both male i like to think that the filmmaker knew they were male (laughs) which is why it didn't work and so he spent his entire fortune and he's he's tried to have gay ostrich sex for months presumably (laughs) all i'm seeing now is like an ostrich grabbing his taint and just pulling it Maybe he actually wasn't doing eggs. He actually was making a film for just weird people. (laughs) No, I'm scared to fuck of ostriches. I can't look at images of them online. I can't fuck. I had to like skip through. I had to pause this and just skim through part of the start. I can't fucking look at ostriches. I fucking hate them. I guess when I was looking over these notes originally, I didn't. I kind of skimmed over the trivia, and my immediate thought when I saw the the ostriches are both male, I thought, "Wait, did you sit, take your time, start researching ostriches, and made sure that these were both males and fe- uh, male and a male or male and a female?" I won't lie to anyone. Anyone who's got to this point, you're fully and deserved to know. I had a teddy bear with me through the mummy films. It's the only way I could fucking get through them. I hate camels. I really hate camels. My fucking, my sixth form experience, there was a day I let my best mate know I was scared of camels. I don't offhand comment. The day after, camels, pictures were just posted all over the sixth form. <laughs> just giant fucking A3 style portraits of the fuckers. All sanctioned by the head of sixth form. The fucking teacher who ran the thing. Where's they going? Um, yeah, after this scene. It's not that I looked and ventured into what gender. I didn't look for ostrich penises. I just someone else has done the work for me. Someone else who's presumably like fucked ostriches in the past. I'll sit for a fucking three-hour podcast by Michael Gross. I'm not fucking looking at ostriches. I can't pluralise that. Is it ostriches? Ostrich. I wasn't judging. I just, uh, you know, I was just surprised how much research you're willing to give on uh, ostriches. <laughs> Might as well jump into proper meat and bones of it. Uh, Grady comes in, and we've mentioned earlier already, touched on it briefly. I think we really need to hammer the point home that Grady is the worst person in the franchise by miles. He, he's fucking just unlikable in the worst sense. I'm willing to put the judgment out there. Yeah, I'm willing to do that now. I can't imagine someone being less likable than this person. They're writing this. When people actually write this type of character, do they think it's funny? Do they think it's people are going to enjoy it? Or do they just want to torture people? I, I don't... That's the, that's the problem. That's the fucking problem. 
He's a psychic. He's like Scrappy-Doo. No one fucking likes Scrappy-Doo. Well, you take Shaggy and Scooby, none of them are the sidekick. They're like one entity. You take Valentine and Earl in the first film, they're not sidekicks, they're co-partners. Grady and this... You, you fucking bounce off me. This show would be shit if it was just me ranting through the entire thing. It's just me be getting really drunk through the... Th- It'd just be like a documentation of my liver failure in real time. It'd be miserable if it weren't for you being here. You're necessary to add levity to this shit. And Grady is just fucking... You're not Scrappy-Doo. I wouldn't go anywhere near that far. Grady is Scrappy-Doo. It's fucking miserable sitting listening to him. He's like... Have you seen Adam West back with Burt Ward? The Batman stuff, like, years ago. That that's who this fucker is. He's not like Tim Drake. He's Burt Ward Robin. The guy you assume to be the submissive fucking bitch that gets bummed by Batman with a dildo on the weekends. <laughs> that's who this twat is. He's just insufferable. The entire film, he is there. His presence is always known and you have to deal with it. I said maybe you can answer this better than I can, Brad. But why why is he here? But from a writing perspective, from taking it out of the film logic, um, why was he hired by Pedro, by the guy running the organization? Why was he brought along? Only thing I could think of is he knew where Oro lived, and that w- and he. I don't. That's the thing. It makes no sense, unless he just he was got lucky. And was the guy hired to go to Earl's place, and he just had a freaking orgasm when he found out. Not talking about that, I might as well. Is it fucking organic now? Organic, orgasmic. And when Earl like goes over stuff he can do, and kind of decides whether he can hire him or not, he looks down at his Grady's dick and just gives a little smile, and goes, "Yeah, you can come along to die to grab boys." But I can only think, what, what are you going to make him suck you off or something on the way there? <laughs> He probably does look down. I'm presuming he's meant to look at his legs to go, yeah, you can run fast or some shit. But it looks like he's looking at his penis. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They're not played off as stereotypes in the first film. They're not played off as fucking, like, having moderate learning disability. My uncle has moderate learning disability. I take him train spotting occasionally. He knows what rock, paper, fucking scissors is. He's aware of the concept of how that works. This guy is such a moron. And to think that they opened a fucking theme park together, Earl and him, after this, <laughs> according to the canon. It's, it's... No. I, I, I just couldn't stand his existence at all. I, he's, Yeah, it's the same thing. How do you not know what rock, paper, scissors is? That, you can't be that fucking dumb. And... Well, no, I'm wrong. He is that fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're getting paid, was it, 50 grand per graboid? I think it was separately, presumably, then. It's, if I was Earl, I'd tell him to fuck off if it was together. Yeah. We're not fucking doing this half-half. Get fucked. 50k per graboid, not worth doing. Yeah, uh, beyond that, that that really brings up a big problem as well. Why the fuck was Al hired? A question that needs answering. Why, when they had the entire fucking Mexican army behind them, did they go, you know, we should hire some random twat who dealt with the problem before? 
I, I like to push fucking scenarios on this, but the equivalency here is going, well, this random fucking woman survived the Yorkshire Ripper. You know, we should get to track down this serial killer. The police? No, we should get this fucking victim to go out and find him, who survived, luckily. Get a fucking professional. I can see, like, bring them on as an advisor, Mm. someone to give them information. That would make complete sense. But actually hire them to, here, we're going to give you military-grade weapons to hunt these. That are great. Really? Military grade really? weapons that include fucking dynamite. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, as a civilian advisor standing on the sidelines to go over everything, he can say what happens. You get a load of deaths that way as well in the actual film. You get like a load of yeah. Mexican soldiers being fucking slaughtered. Go with that side of thing. It, it's ridiculous. Fifty grand for a graboid rather than just hiring the military while offering them all the supplies of the military anyway, um, which Earl doesn't take any advantage of, and Bert, thank fuck, has like, what is it, like a missile, an artillery shell, just sitting it around. It doesn't really make it clear, but it's it's probably something that goes boom, very largely. I, I think it's implied that he wasn't going to use it to kill them, he was just taking it as a souvenir. <laughs> yeah. Just this is mine. He, he has a word. I think they try to like move the uh, cloth off of it, and he says, "No, that I'm taking home with me." <laughs> he just requisitioned all this shit and going, "Yeah, I'll need about twenty five percent of it, but I can use the rest to store in my fucking bunker." <laughs> I fucking love this character, Bert. He's great. You can get shit from the military. You can't get from uh, civilian use. Is it fully autos a band? Uh, is that. Wrong? Yes, but you can get a license for it. Oh, he's going to have a license? Yes. No way Bert doesn't. Uh, I don't know. The question is, would Bert want to register for a license? He does have all the registers and licenses by the third film, so I'm presuming he's gone down that route. Yeah, because at that point he's back on the grid. They're going to know who he is. Yeah, he's going to get the licenses. Uh, so, in terms of the actual writing of the film, put it in my notes as believable circumstance of the first film. And in this film, it's it's more unbelievable coincidence. You had the fridge, the canyon, uh, the pogo stick in the first film, which all pushed the plot onwards. In this film, there are so many coincidences that just feel filmy. Uh, the one I've got example-wise is Kate being the 1974 model for like Playboy magazine, whatever the fuck they've got, um, which Earl has posted in his room and then he bumps into her on the fucking job just what a fucking coincidence it's just so That's... filmy yeah that that just that it almost comes off of why why is that why why would you even do that why is that even in here it's, yeah it just absolutely reduces the believability of any of this shit um moving forward and he doesn't need that to properly connect with her you can do what the third film did and just like play suggestive music whenever they're together and get the audience <laughs> to go, oh, no, yeah, they, they clearly have chemistry because the film tells me so. They have made eye contact. They're, they're probably going to be together. <laughs> There's the music. <laughs> you don't need this convoluted shit. Has anyone fucking done that and gone, oh, you used to be a stripper in a magazine? That turns me on. It has to. Has to has happened once, but but with all this, the proper plot the whole thing 
they're being sent down to kill graboids and shit which I mean, could be a really fun film of just graboids being blown up in different ways if you want to take it that direction or they could have been overrun military military base just overrun destroyed they have to escape that kind of thing um, they go down I want to say it's a safe route of not improvising properly of not innovating properly where they just, as I said in the first film, they just evolve all the fucking creatures and go, well, we have these problems. How can we make it more interesting? Oh, we can just add new dynamics to it that completely fucking ruin any of the dynamics of the first film. It makes no sense now, but with hacks and can't think of a fucking way of pushing this forward. It, it, I don't know. It just makes no sense to me now. There can be a thing we've touched on. I won't bring that fucking scab I won't you know fucking tear at that again but the evolving stuff and that they're all around the world they'd have fucking taken over the world and they'd have evolved in the first film you'd have seen these little shits going round because of the sheep they ate alone there's just so much shit that doesn't add up in any fucking way because of this no I mean yeah, they, you would have had it in the first one. There's no reason they wouldn't unless they're just adding and adding. And that's what they do with the second one. And the third film, they add this, oh, metamorphosis. They kind of, they can change. It's like a butterfly. Wait, what? No, what? That, why? No, what, what's the point of that? Why are you doing that? And, oh, if they eat something, they give birth to another one? What? Okay, if that's the case, wouldn't these things just wipe out all life? Oh, in like fucking minutes. <laughs> It'd be in the end of the world. It's just immediately. If they could eat a little bit and then fucking multiply. It, as they say, the film, like 2, 4, 8, 16. It'd be the end of fucking everything if these can go everywhere. I, I felt like they tried to, to get rid of that in the third film. They tried to snip that. They go, oh, no, no. They have a almost a short lifespan. But at that point, you're just... It feels like you're just... You made a... You broke it, caused it an issue, and you're just thinking, well, I will make more issues, thus ignoring this issue, and it should work out all in the same. But no, it just gets more ridiculous, more ridiculous, until it's like... Yeah, I, just shut up. Just stop. Just stop. You, you've already destroyed it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, jumping properly into the plot then. Yep. So Earl is pushed to go down along with Grady and meets Katie uh, along with Pablo and a few other... I'm going to sound really fucking bad here. A few other um, oh, Mexicans. They're fucking red shirts. They get killed off immediately. They've got Mexican names. They get murdered. Blame the film more than you blame me. <laughs> They focus on the white people. It's their problem. <laughs> it's not my fucking fault that they do that. <sighs> yeah, I, I think one of them like die has two scenes and dies in the fucking second. The other one dies off screen in yeah. a car. <laughs> I, they do just focus on four people here. I know Steph mentioned earlier uh, they basically go on a montage. Now they use... I'm going to put this to place through Black Ops 2. Um, I think it was a f- third level kill streak. No, not UAV. Four, four kill streak RAC cars that you got to blow shit up with. 
uh, send that round and just killed fucking people with those fun things. Yeah, like, so in the first one, they get away with killing one creature with a grenade, and then they try it like the the fishing trick, and then in the second uh, the second time they do it, they're like, yeah, we ain't falling for that shit twice, and then they spit it back out. Whereas in this one, it's like, ah, as long as we've got remote toy cars, we can blow up as many as we want, really. I mean, they must be fucking millionaires by the end of the uh, by the end of this film if they're getting fifty grand per grab ass. They've got the Mexican arm behind them, and with that, they get dynamite, and that's it, pretty much. They don't get. Yeah, they get one assault rifle, a shitload of dynamite. <laughs> I'd get fucking artillery bombardments, aerial strikes, predator missiles. I'd go fucking mental with it. It might like why even go with the the, the assault rifle? The thing you they know that even an elephant <laughs> gun could not penetrate the ground. That's definitely not gonna do it. It's the same as like the third film with the fucking <laughs> rifle that was sitting on for I I like that one to be the showpiece rifle. It just bought Yeah, wasn't it like swag. chrome plated or some shit like that? Uh, it, it was. No, I think it was just wooden, but it was a fake rifle they bought from like a theatre troupe. Yeah, that was the only else. purpose of that. Doesn't doesn't burn oh, that rifle with like a fucking sit there and look pretty. fifty cal at some point. Uh, in the. I can't remember if it's this one, one or the third. The third yes. one at some point. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like Jack in the second film as a fake rifle that he's going around with in his um little car. Which is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's what I want a proper like Desert Eagle. If I was going to go nuts, I want a sidearm Desert Eagle because that'll penetrate fuckers if they come out the ground for you. No, no, uh, he, he pulls out like a chrome-plated like fifty cal sniper rifle. I don't think he uses it. <laughs> You're thinking of the uh, chrome Deagle he pulled out. Yeah, I might as well ask now. If I was going to ask you to elaborate on it. At what point do you reckon it has stopped? The creature it had gone through, presumably. Yeah, that, that that's the one that goes through the monster, goes through the uh, creature, then through the walls, then through the barrels, then through the truck and the car engine. That Seems creature's that been blown to pieces. Uh, I think it was stopped in the barrels, especially with them with liquid. It had to have stopped there because it would have lost a lot of energy going through the the bricks. There's no reason it would have gone through all that and a freaking engine block that. That's a little really ridiculous. But it made it funny. When someone mentions why didn't you have the Mexican army down, the fucking Grady says something on the lines of, oh, we wanted them in one position, we didn't want them spread out. Well, fuck that. Like, have them everywhere. Have the Mexican army lined up with guns ready and just shoot them to fucking shit the second they come out the ground. Like machine guns go mental. Yeah, just ha- like line a shitload of people up like a proper firing squad. Just make have them make shitloads of noise, and then if one of them gets sucked into the earth, you fire on that point. <laughs> just Mexicans. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna oh, cut God. that. <laughs> Joke it. I mean, I mean, <laughs> jokes, people. Jokes. I mean. But why even do that? Fucking tanks! Just bring tanks! They couldn't get um, the forklift thing, bulldozer down. So a tank is going to be way fucking harder to bring down. 
Oh, yeah. Nice Churchill to push down. Yeah, just a little hill. Tilt it a little bit. So the little horse do something to grab their attention and just put them round into the ground. I'm pretty sure that thing's going to die. That's the thing. It, common sense-wise would have been, you hide the, hire them on as advisors, and then you fucking tanks are fucking, if you really want to just pay, suck up taxpayer money, go with a bunker buster. To be fair, like, common sense doesn't bring into account film budget. That four million. I'm sure if Kevin <laughs> Bacon was around, there would have been advisors. Magical thing, Valentine around. Oh, what's that 12 million we have to throw around? We can probably hire a few people around to be soldiers. It could have been that much more expensive. Ever. Anyway, that's what they went with. It was meant to be Australia originally, as I said, but cheaper. Another thing, theme park idea, it's really stupid. You, you do have some of the weird, like, very specific um, niche theme parks in this country here and there. Really rubbish, tiny population stuff. Yeah. And you get it in Spain as well, like fucking known well. Yeah, so we've got Thomas Land in England, which is fucking Thomas the Tank Engine sort of theme-based theme park. But it's inside of a bigger theme park. It's not like... It's in Alton Towers, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. We've we've got um, the fucking oh Boogles World. I can't remember the, the what the the pink thing with yellow polka dots on it. Children's character, Mister Blobby. Yeah, we've got Mister Blobby's world. We got a Mister Blobby world. Yeah, it, it's it's so <laughs> apparently we've got a Bob the Builder world. Oh yeah, we got Bob fucking. You know he's got three number one hits in this country, Bob the Builder. Yeah, fucking he's, fucking he's a player. Um, I'm sure America's got the same kind of shit, just niche crap. Yeah, there. I like I can't name any of be honest, but there are these little rickety places. They're just randomness out in the middle of nowhere. I almost went to. Is it Four Flags? Not Four Flags. Four, four Flags ain't niche. Yeah, I know. I'm just. Uh, we were talking about theme parks, and I got really excited. <laughs> six flags. Six flags. There we go. Yeah, six flags. I think that's got the most um, roller coasters in the world. Like seventeen. Yeah, you know. I didn't go. Fucking. Which one? One in Texas. Ah, the the original. I don't think that's the original. Cedar Park. Uh, no. Six. Uh, the one in Arlington, Texas, is the original Six Flags. One of them has the world record for the most radicals in the world. So I know that from something. Uh, but either way, this theme park idea is stupid. It, it's not going to make fucking money. No one gives a shit about Graboids. Yeah. Like, I, I think Jurassic World put it really well, succinctly. Um, with dinosaurs, people got bored of that really quickly. Though, to be fair, people aren't bored of zoos yet, so... Yeah. I mean, they are, but... No, they are, Kid, yeah. Kids need a fucking day trip somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy. It, it mainly deals with reproduction. That's probably, that's the issue, you know. You <laughs> shoot out some kids, now you have to take them to the zoo. And sooner or later, they're going to grow up, they're going to have to shoot out some kids, and they're going to have to go to the zoo. It's just a cycle of destruction. Transitioning on, cycle of destruction, as the grab boys in this. <laughs> Much less competent. They show themselves off a lot more often. 
in the first film, I felt like that they like killed someone. The second they made themselves available in this film, they fucking spread out of the ground next to people making noise in the third film as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's a real issue. I, I don't know why they went with that. It's just because you had a good piece here. You had a good rules around them of what how they acted what they did it wouldn't make sense to just keep them as it but now you're making them less so you can bring out something new that could be potentially danger more dangerous oh they're not more dangerous now the the fucking shriekers is it yeah are like a hundred times less deadly graboids you are fucked if you aren't on elevated ground if you can't fight them you can't punch them which Bert fucking does in this film. Shriekers, he beats the <laughs> shit out of one, knocks it out Mike Tyson style. It's like an offhand comment where he knocks one of them out. What? Did he choke it? The only reason I can think is that they've dumbed these ones down is because in the first one, they're smart, but they're not like super intelligent to the point like, or they're not supposed to be super intelligent. Like, they're kind of like a primitive, like, creature that kind of can do certain things. They like, they evolve, sort of thing. And the only thing that I can think of is it's like a writer's thing where it's like, well, we can't do much if they're very, or if they're somewhat intelligent, but also kind of primitive. If we go, like, one way or the other, we can do more with it. So they went, ah, fuck it, they're idiots, but... There's like 300 of them. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a problem of lack of innovation. In, in the first film, they had the foundations. They had it building up bit by bit. It got worse and worse. Uh, they learned stuff. In this film, they don't know how to do that. And so they just go, oh, they evolve. They're more of them. That's how we build the threat up this way. That's how we wrap the tension up to the third act. They don't know how to do that otherwise. More of them and they've got legs. You know, I, I won't blame the writers. I think it's just the first film did it so well that they had nothing to use for the second film. They just have to remake it. Um, which, if they didn't want to do, I don't blame them. But yeah, it, it just comes off as t- tedious. In this film, they show them more often. They're less dangerous. It just bursts out the ground next to someone who definitely should be dead. They're a lot more jokey. Uh, I know specifically in the first film, Ron Underwood had um, removed a load of jokes that involved the Graboids directly. They were you know, meant to be a lot more comedic, uh, but he said that devolved attention, just devalued it a lot, and he removed them in a draft. In this film, the Graboids, they grab radios and shit. It's just the, the threat is taken out so vividly. I, I don't, I'm not scared of them anymore they're not worrying in any sense they're just people are eating in front of them they're just sitting around lounging it's somehow it's made better in the third film um but in this one i don't know as it pushes into the second act pose a real threat yeah it seems i, th- I think uh, fucking for anyone who in my D group who's been listening up to this point i know his name's brandon i'm really drunk uh, and forgot to say that. Brandon. <laughs> yes. You said, I think, something online the line of that the first act really boring. Or at least. Uh, that was on, sure, that sure. Was on the third hmm. one. I, it came over. This one was. 
Well, I felt the same way for both until like Bert turns up for this one. Yeah. I couldn't give a fuck until he comes in. Um, Bert is one of the most depressing characters in the entire franchise, at least until the third film. His wife's left him. Uh, Cold War's ended. His paranoia has driven everyone away from him. He's lonely, depressed, alcoholic, I'm presuming. Might be um, putting myself against him there. (laughs) But yeah, it's just really fucking sad. And he's using the Graboid threat as this big project that he can reinvigorate his own life with that you know is going to go on for another six fucking films. And he's not going to get his wife back because she's not in any of them. Which just makes it sadder and sadder. I know it's with the benefit of hindsight, and it'd be probably more depressing if you were watching these like one after the other going, oh, she's got to be in the next one, she's got to be in the next one, oh, she isn't. To make it fucking... I, there was a 30-year anniversary for Tremors, um, 2020. He was the only actor to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's... <laughs> the original lot. He was the only one. So oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, he, he turns up. He, he is a welcome sight. Uh, Michael Gross, great actor. I know in real life he's like an ultra-leftist, anti-gun guy. Um, he, he really does put his heart and soul into this. He comes up with what I presume is like half the budget in guns in just the back of a truck. As I said, nicking stuff. HK-91, I, I think that's a big rifle, if I'm not mistaken. He sent that off to Heather. I don't know if you know what HK-91 is. Brandon, off the top of your head. Oh, which one? Sorry. HK91. HK91, yes, I know. I know which one you're speaking of. Uh, Is that an expensive rifle? I mean, it's probably not going to be much different from any other uh, uh, type of assault rifle. I suppose the specificity of it, quite miserable, because that's when Earl knows that Hev's left. um, But, because fucking HK91's been sent off. Okay, fucking sad. He also brings 120 pounds of MREs, and I've ate MREs in past because I tried to join up with the army. My ears, fun stuff. Uh, and I know you were in the military for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, British military rations are fucking horrible, especially the egg ones. The the omelets are fucking disgusting. Okay, I'm glad that that's international. I'm really glad because even <laughs> ours is the veggie omelet. No, God, no! You can't put enough Tabasco on it to hide it. Hide it. <laughs> it's just God. The lucky thing there is always that one person, that one person that loves it. So when you get it, you're like, "Hey, take this, take it. I don't care what you give me. Just get this away from me." Oh, we've never had that guy. Oh, yeah, souls. <laughs> it's it's universal. Yeah, it, it's fucking horrible. Um, the best one, your opinion? I'm curious uh, if anyone's going to eat any. Best one, I would say beef stew. It comes closest to taking like beef stew out of a can. <laughs> Just that. Add salt and Tabasco. Good to go. I fucking love that. It comes close as it can to tasting like beef stew. Sorry, not beef stew. Beef stew out of a can. Can. With salt and Tabasco. 
<laughs> with salt Tabasco. Just clarifications down and down. Should be followed up with as long as it's fucking soil and green first. <laughs> gone through processing. <laughs> uh, yeah, rash, uh, MREs for us, um, they're not the worst in the world, to be fair. I've had worse MREs. Is I've, I've just been given some by friends. Uh, German MREs, if you're curious, around the world are pretty decent. Um, I know Ashen's YouTuber from UK had Estonian ones that look really nice. Like, solid food and shit. Uh, Finnish MREs, fucking disgusting. Horrible. Horrendous. <laughs> and I've been told Chinese MREs are equally just revolting. Like, gruel from the medieval period. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It's like um, bread that's been, I don't know how to put it, like in powder and you add water to it, or snow in their case, and it makes it edible. Edible in the biggest inverted commas I can give. Uh, it can be consumed. Yeah. Bert eats this shit on a daily basis because he's a fucking masochist. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I saw a, a thing online uh where it said that Bert was, he's, he's given up on all the like military stuff after all this, the prepper stuff. He doesn't believe in any of it anymore, but he has to keep up the pretense to lie to himself that it was worth it because he's driven everyone else away, like Heather and shit. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole that's just sad as fuck, but I kind of believe oh. because he's just eating MREs now and he recommends it to everyone just as... That kind of a masculine pretense to show that oh I'm I'm still fine. Why they would need MREs? They're not. They're literally sitting on a truck, driving an RC car. Those things have an ass load of calories. You're you got you you eat those because you're burning so much and you need something quick and he- he- quick and calorie feeling so that you can keep working. They're doing nothing. Yeah, they're literally just steering a little car uh one thing i am happy about though um four pounds of c4 <laughs> to blow up one grab away <laughs> it's a fucking amazing scene where he's got like a little military helmet on uh he, he's just sitting down there blows it up and goes four pounds of c4 might have been a bit much <laughs> you just see like raining fucking guts <laughs> and bits of you stone that drop down it's fucking great you never know until you try. You might as well start trying a little bit bigger to make sure it's dead, and then slowly work your way down. I think he says that, to be fair. He says something on the lines of, oh, you'd be sorry if you don't have it and need it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it blows it to absolute shit with, like, four pounds of C4, uh, which I looked up online, by the way, and that explosion way beyond what four pounds of C4 would do, based on what I found. I'm not sure I've ever got to play with C4, unfortunately. I haven't, but it's just what I've looked online and based on two YouTubers around Fallout that I like to watch called Mike Burnfire that I get yeah. some of my gun shit from. If you haven't, check them out, check them out. They know their guns. Yeah, they're pretty good. One of them does. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Brandon, if you haven't fucking checked them out, I'd recommend them wholeheartedly. Right. They're like playthrough Fallout New Vegas. They're both one's um, army, one's ex-marine. Yeah, one worked as, as like a uh, weapon repair master. Small arms repair. Yeah. Back in Iraq, 2007-2006. Yeah, really fun stuff. So, with that, the Graboids begin... 
in the first film was a bit annoyed when they laid the trap and everything. In this one, it really does jump the shark. Completely fucking bottles it, even before fucking Bert's eaten by a graboid in the third film. <laughs> in this film, it takes a fucking cake where they evolve into new Pokemon fucking forms where they turn into Shriekers, then they turn into ass, ass grabbers. Blasters. Ass blasters. Ass blasters. Ass blasters. In the third you know, film. If Pokemon had that evolution type, I think it would be more interesting. Oh, yay! It's it's evolving and just see something burst out of his your Pokemon's chest. <laughs> <laughs> just Pikachu screaming in agony as a fucking yeah. Xenomorph jumps out. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how that you evolved into a xenomorph. <laughs> These things, they, I think there's three per graboid, if I'm not mistaken. They don't say how many graboids there were at the start, but there are eight left, end up as 24. Uh, and after having killed the load, Bert coming in, killing a load, Pedro's killed by the new Shriekers. Uh, and but is ambushed off screen in a sequence I fucking want to see put to film. He's right. I, I taking it from the start for my own fucking sanity here. He has two handguns on him. He says he gets involved with hand-to-hand combat. He knocks one unconscious, and I can't remember how many he says he killed, but he does kill a number of them. How the fuck did that one happen? I don't know. I really would love to have seen that also. <laughs> I just love him coming back and going, I am completely out of ammo. This has never happened to me before. It's my favourite, absolute favourite line in the three films. Something I feel I was denied critical, <laughs> need to know, no. information. <laughs> Said with just such venom. <laughs> As these, yeah, fucking legions of uh, shriekers come at him. I, d- I want to watch that. I know it's not going to be any- in comic form. I'd happily watch it in comic form if they could do it some justice. It's just so Bert on his fucking shrieky killing adventures. Someone do that, please. Uh, because he beat one to death. Not to death, sorry. He beat one into unconsciousness, which is more impressive. And it was stunned. Which fucking how? <laughs> I don't know, you choke it out. What the fuck he did? I, we will never know. That's the sad thing. They capture one. Uh, should quickly mention practical effects in this one are still pretty decent. I think there are practical effects up to the fourth one. Or fourth one beyond. Uh, it goes a bit hammy. CGI. They still work in this one. There's inklings here and there that they fuck it up, but uh, and here's where we come to the like real problems logistically with the site. So these things can see an infrared vision, um, thermal stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're playing fucking Call of Duty, it's the white thing where you blow people up in a monstrous sky airplane thing with bombs and shit. And it makes no sense that they can see them at just random fucking points. I, I don't know, they're in buildings constantly, it just feels I, it, wishy-washy on whether they can see them or not. What I, I kept having an issue with is, like, they established that they have to lift the things, their flaps up, 
to be able to see the infrared. How the hell do they know that they have to lift those up to see something that's there? It seems like there's something else going on that makes them go, oh, I need to lift this up, but it's never established in it. Yeah, so they kind of show their hands and then the flap comes up to indicate. I'd never really come to that. My big problem with it is they're in buildings half the time, which has been established to be a barrier of heat, but they're still ambushed by these things. Which, how? How could they see them? In the third film as well, there are points where they just shouldn't be able to even come close to seeing them. It just makes no sense. Um, I know there's some bits of body heat, but that's inconsistent as well. There are points where they definitely should be able to be seen, but they can't. It's just ridiculous. And something that could have been completely mitigated if they'd have kept the same thing and kept it simple. So uh, with all this, you have one captured in the cage. You have a number outside. Uh, Julio's been murdered by one of these things. They're fucking rampant. And this all uh, uh, pushes towards... You have our main three, uh, Grady, the little bitch, along with Earl and Katie on a tower. Katie, who's doing fucking, like, stripper poses for Earl's amusement. And then Bert, hidden away in... Um, I don't know what to fucking call it. Like a digger? I think a mini yeah. digger. That works. Yeah, this, this, and after they do a little door trick to move across from a half-built building uh, and shoot the antimaterial rifle thing, 50 cal, that would have been stopped early. Other thing, um, this is a thing with a lot of films, but we haven't really touched on a film with guns yet beyond, I suppose, the Nazi zombie thing? Yeah, Dead Snow. Dead Snow, yeah. There's a lot of punching in that one, to be fair. Uh, but these people would be deaf as fuck oh yeah I I think it's made worse that they often hold their ears down but sometimes don't these people would have tinnitus it'd sound like a fucking orchestra going on in their ears 100% of the time after this thing's done they shoot so many guns elephant fucking rifles next to themselves there's no way these people have hearing no, their hearing should have been gone a while ago. It's, I guess it's. I think it's just one of those. Is why to even touch on it in the film? Because I'm deaf and I'm a little pissed off bastard that I have to be <laughs> deaf and film people can live with this. You fucking privileged pricks. Pretend that tinnitus doesn't exist. I have to deal with this shit on a daily basis. You have to deal with it too. The final plan as well, <laughs> before we get to that actually, um, the fucking leading tower of Shriekers. Oh god! I think that's where the I... CGI really starts to go to shit. Yep. They like hop onto each other like um, little fucking dodos, just popping up to try to make a tower to get to the top. It's so stupid. They fall over when a single noise is made. My question is, if they're hopping up that high, why don't they just hop up on top? Yeah. You know what? I didn't even fucking think of that. They don't, like, climb the way up, do they? They just keep hopping yeah. up. Yeah. And the second thing is, once one gets high enough, what, you just kick it and the entire tower is down. I mean, they, they can evolve as well into fucking ass blasters <laughs> without needing much in the way of food. 
from what we've said. Yeah, from what it is established, and it's... I think they said, like, it's over 12 hours that they need. It said that it, it's fucking, like, thrown out by the second and the first film. The first film completely ruins half the logic in this. Why would a creature fucking metamorph and lose its own ears anyway? Yeah, but it's gonna adjust to something that would help the species. I mean, why would getting eyesight and losing your hearing be vengeance? Why not have both? Oh, pandas fucking exist. These things can exist, to be fair. Oh, good point. Wait, I'm confused. What's wrong with pandas existing? Pandas are the most useless fucking... That's like second most useless thing. Koala bears are the most useless fucking thing around. Koalas are fucking cute. Koalas are beyond pointless. Koalas have evolved specifically to eat the eucalyptus leaf, which is massively poisonous, and they need like 90% of their brain power to go into their stomach to digest. Koalas are the shittest animal on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) I heard someone say, I think it was on College Humor, uh, recently, that when David Attenborough talks about koalas and pandas, he has the most bitter fucking tone in his voice. Everything else, unlike deadly fucking animals that Stephen Fry talks about when God was discussing how horrific and all that shit. David Attenborough goes on a whole, oh, this beautiful fucking tunnelling sandworm that caves into the child's eye and desecrates its brain with its own shit. A beautiful creation. And then this panda thing. Fuck that. Pandas and koalas can fucking die. They can't. And we're spending so much effort trying to save them. We're kind of going, is it really worth it? I mean, a panda mom give birth to a, one of its baby, she can roll over and squish it because it's, the thing's like about the fi- size of a finger or something. It's yeah. pathetically small. And then you got koalas who are, yeah, they eat poison sleep. Well, the weird thing is they're not born with that ability. So no. they have to gain the bacteria. The fucking by... disgusting, like they have to throw it up in their child's mouth. No, no, no. The, the child has to eat the mother's shit. Oh, Okay, even worse. <laughs> they have to go human cent- koala centipede style. A little daisy chain of koala babies in some disgusting... If it was in the human world, it'd be some sexual fucking act in Alabama. That's what koalas are. Alabamans of the animal kingdom. Eating their own mother's shit, which has lost so many subs. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shriekers evolved pointlessly was, I think, the conclusion of that, if I remember back long enough. Yes. <laughs> so uh, they come up with a plan in the end because uh, Bert ends up chasing them into a warehouse full of food or sugar, sh- sugar sweets in Mexican. Why did they do that? They never established the sugar sweet, the the sugar candy throughout the film until then, when we know that Earl has parked his truck in a garage, and he contains 120 pounds of MREs. Uh, presumably, that's the um, that's the company. That's that's any oil company. You know, they sell oil and they sell sugary sweets. That's standard knowledge, isn't it? Like fucking fuel for your car, fuel for your kid. Ah, Every oh, company does that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, ends up pushing them into there. Earl ends up playing rock, paper, scissors. I think he says something like, 
fucking rock beats paper because it punches through it because Grady's a retard. Yeah, pretty much. Should say beyond that, Earl doesn't say rock, paper, scissors at the start of all this. He says scissors, rock, paper, which I feel is meant to be a joke on his own intelligence, which insults me personally. Earl's smarter than that. He knows the fucking way of putting it. Uh, but yeah, the, he ends up going through. He sprays himself with... It, it's carbon dioxide, isn't it? Pretty much. Liquid carbon yeah, dioxide. CO2. Yeah, It depends on the extinguisher, to be fair. You've got like um, water-based ones. You've got ones with grease fires. I don't know, there's... Yeah, powder-based, um, water-based. It depends what what the main fire could be and what's the best way to beat it. Oil in this case, so I suppose CO2, probably. Get rid of the oxygen rather than water, and that'd be a bad fucking idea. Don't spray water over uh, oil fires. That's something I learned. (laughs) (laughs) Hard way. (laughs) Definitely burning down my fucking mom's house. After I tried to microwave... uh, Sorry, not microwave. I tried to oven cook, slow cook a microwaveable meal, and then poured water on an oil fire. So, more or less, Earl sets off a bomb. <laughs> he doesn't fucking have any idea what the timer <laughs> does. He just says, oh, I set up a bomb. That was the best way forward, you know. And blows the shriekers to high hell after Bert told him to fucking leg it. I'll go further, further. It's going to be big. Big. That's a proper responsible gun owner there. He knows how big the explosion's going to be. By the fucking millimetre. <laughs> but I think generally, like, you blow something up, just keep running. Yeah, yeah. Get to a safe spot, at least something low, and just hope it hope it doesn't blow out your eardrums and stuff. Does annoy me a bit that Earl didn't let Grady go in and get himself killed. Especially <laughs> at the end of the film, very early. He didn't like Grady wins rock paper scissors, and Earl doesn't let him fucking go in and die because he can't work out not to take off his fucking coat because it's cold or something and get eviscerated by these shriekers. Would have been a lot, a lot more cathartic. I mean, British should have died when they're sitting there screaming, "Get down!" When's the explosion? Oh, that'd have been beautiful, like his top half just <laughs> taken out, <laughs> just, just his legs chickening around. If if, if that's what they would have done, it I would have been sold on um on Grady. Uh, that would have sold me for the character. They would have done that at the end. I would have been happy. Paid fucking anything for that. But either way, they blow up the shoe because it's a magnificent explosion. It takes a fucking crater into the ground, atom bomb size, uh, which is beautiful. And then, coming back to what you said earlier, uh, prepper porn, or was it prepper propaganda? I like prepper porn better. That sounds better. He has an exact line here, uh, Bert, which is, some people think I'm overprepared, paranoid, or even crazy. But they never met no Precambrian life forms. <laughs> Which is such a fucking paranoid statement. It is funny in itself, and I applaud whoever wrote it. That's a great little microcosm for this film and the following films for Arizona and prepper porn. But it really does fucking put an underlying statement on all of this shit. It's great. Oh, I don't know. That that really culminates the second film. It's it's uh, it, it's fairly bare bones compared to the first, and I think it 
doesn't quite hold up as far as the third film. It shows a lot more of its straight-to-DVD roots, but it is fun, at least. Yeah, and in the end, that's it. That's what it's kind of coming to. Watching it, you can tell a lot more the flaws. A lot more stuff doesn't add up. But it's still just a fun film to watch, and it's entertaining. Yeah, I, that's what I want at the end of the day for a straight-to-DVD knockoff. And that's what Steph wants because you enjoyed Wishmaster fucking 4. Yeah, I like shit films. I've already said that. I've said that many a time. And we'll be able to go over that when we do Resident fucking Evil next week. Yeah, boy. Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. As I said earlier, absolutely amazing, <laughs> punny, quotable title. Uh, cast and crew, directed by Brett Maddock, as Eddie come up a lot, who was a writer on the first four Tremor films and the 2003 Tremor series, which I am going to watch before we go through all the uh, other films. And I'm going to tell Brandon to watch, and Steph can't be fucked to watch. <laughs> I might stream it or just go to his yeah, house and much. force him. Alright, let's get to see what happens. I'll go to his house and fucking force him. That's what I'm going to do. I'll go, like, Clockwork Orange style, open his eyes on those little machines. Yeah, if you stream it, if you stream it, I'll fucking watch it, but if you... Yeah. Uh, Writers, Brett Maddock, again, S.S. Wilson, and Nancy (laughs) Roberts. Uh, who, a couple of things she produced, Heart and Souls, which I mentioned earlier, I can't remember which actor was in it, but someone was in it, and Superman 3, the one with Richard Pryor, anyone's seen that. I think I mentioned Superman 4, and someone had a go at me for remembering that film <laughs> by email. The one with um, Nuclear Man. Piece of shit. Uh, Cast Wives, Ariana Richards, comes back with Mindy, she looks like a young... Uh, like I said, Jake, Maggie Gyllenhaal. You know, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister? Yeah. She's in Dark Knight Rises. No, the, the one with Joker. I don't remember which one it was. Played Rachel. Uh, she's in Prancer, Jurassic Park, obviously. And yeah. she was in one, two, and three. I, I haven't seen the fucking second one for ages. I can't remember if she was in that now. I know she's in the first one, the third one. Uh, she was in a film called Battle Dogs. She's now an artist does fun latte things that I can't be fucked to lock up. Not in my poor party. I went through the Louvre, I went through um, the Uffizi in Florence, saw the fucking Birth of Venus, and then I wandered past, fucking like a zombie, was in a trance, saw one self-portrait that was really great. Art is not my thing. Fucking demonstrably so. I waste my time on Tremors 3. You think I'm looking at art? You think either Stefan or fucking Brandon looking at art, watching this shit for fun? Uh, Robert Jane, who played... Yeah, Robert Jane, who played Melvin, coming back for the first film. Uh, it was in Meet the Applegates, which I don't think has anything to do with Christina Applegate. Uh, and Wizards of the Lost Kingdom 2, which I'm sure was a fucking classic. Susan Ch- I'm going with Chang. Chuang. I'm g- I, yeah, I think it's a silent year. I'm going with Chang. It probably accentuates the A. Uh, who plays Jody, anyway. Who was in American Fusion, and I can embarrass myself further. She was in Victorious, which is a 2010 Nickelodeon show 
similar to iCarly, if either of you two remember that one. Yep. Probably before your time, Brandon, probably just about hitting you, Steph. Oh, I was probably a, I was probably a late teenager when fucking Probably iCarly a bit too old, actually. Yeah. Um, Victorious was a show, Nickelodeon, uh, similar to iCarly, had um, a girl who played Sam Puckett, Jeanette McCurdy, come in to Sam and Cat, the revival for it. Uh, It had Ariana Grande, uh, Victorious Tory, I can't remember her fucking name now because no one gives a shit about her, it's just Ariana Grande. And a few others, she played a restaurant host, Susan Chang. Uh, And yeah, I'm dating this hugely. I'm going to get shat on by both older people who hate me for watching kiddie shit. And kids who think I'm really old for knowing what Victorious is. I'm going to get embarrassed in two separate ways instantaneously. (laughs) I like the show. I'm willing to live with it. Uh, Sean Christian, Jack, who is embarrassed in like 50 fucking ways simultaneously because he's the most heinous, hateable person, uh, plays Jack, a prick who scams people. Uh, who was in a film called Undercover Christmas and Loving the Sun. He's done fuck all otherwise. And then Tony Gennaro, who plays Miguel, uh, who was in Phenomenon, which is a Travolta love story, which can't be good. Scorpion Spring. And again, Heart and Souls, which seems to come up weird number of times. Uh, budget box office. Budget, two million more than the first film, which implies to me that the Sorry, than the second film, two million more than the second film, which implies that the second film did actually make money at the very least. Uh, box office, I can't find for the life of me. Trivia, very short. Michael Gross, it's his favourite film of the Tremors series. All downhill from here. Lovely. Makes some sense to me that this is his favourite film, to be fair, because he has starred in it, obviously. And I presume it's going to be the only one we're going to watch with him in it, with a six million budget. Might as well start with first impressions, uh, Brandon. Opening remarks on this. <clears throat> oh, I, I, I think it runs the same theme as the second one. I found it enjoy. It was a fun film to watch. Um, I found it better than the second. It seemed to just be a little bit more, but then it also feels like you're starting where you're seeing the where the creatures are not, I guess, not being done as well with the CGI and stuff. It's starting to become, they're starting to become more focused on that style. If they ended Tremors here, I think that would be an okay ending for it. You know, done. Went to, went straight to DVD, cool. It's not that good, but hey, I can watch it. What saddens me is knowing that there are four more films after this. Five, soon to be. Uh, There's a fifth one in the works. Without Michael Gross. Fucking spoiler alert. Everyone going through this, and I'm going to post it fucking everywhere, but I'm guessing he's either too old and couldn't be fucked, or based on his Facebook posts, because he's obsessed with this fucking franchise, he's probably dead. But not Michael Gross. Which will be interesting. I'd I'd be happy if they didn't 
Or it's either that or he has been really secretive with because like I said, I, I enjoy shit films, so if there's more shit films best around this franchise, I'm good with that. Run this fucking franchise into the ground more. You've got four please. more fucking films to go. I know. How many do you need? I didn't watch any of these, so I can't really say much about their four, four uh, fucking films. It's gonna be miserable. Yeah, I can't say much about oh, these wait, two's uh decency, but you know we got we got fucking Wolf Creek and Cronenberg stuff after this is probably like the uptick at the moment. Resident Evil shit. Yeah. It's going to get worse from here. What do you mean? Resident Evil's not that bad. Less family friendly. Very least. The first three are good. Less wholesome. Start off AA gun scene, which is fucking badass. And where they spent presumably like $5 million of the budget is it goes downhill as fuck after this. Uh, yeah, he has an AA gun. Is that what it is? Like a turret? A it's, turret? Like it's like a mini gun, but modernized. Yeah, it's, it's a fifty cal, like heavy machine. gun. Yeah, he's doing a dual fifty cal's. Oh, he's dual wielding them. Those are yeah. It's set up on turret. Yeah. He's firing two fifty cal's. Fuck me. It, it's great. Don't 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 it disparage it in any way, shape, or form. It's brilliant. Oh, I'm I'm not letting it disparage. Which is is the perfect fucking way to open a film. I say a lot with scream stuff. What you want to do is set up the killer, you set up the rules. You can do that less with the sequels. It's not too much of a problem. But the one thing you do need to do is set up the tone. You need to set up the tone. It's important to get within the first 10 minutes of any fucking film. You need people to know what film they're watching. The first 10%, really. For short film, it's more important. But for feature films, you still really need to do that. Um, the first film failed to do... Sorry, the second film failed to do that massively with the oil rig stuff where he's jumping like barrel to barrel. That was more than I serious than the rest of the film turned out to be. The third film, it's fucking hilarious. He's got a giant AA gun. It's so over the top. And it's what I want out of a film like this, out of a straight to DVD thing that I can just sit and watch with a beer in my hand and just fucking relax uh, it, it's perfect <laughs> he oh yeah I'm that gonna now. Like, go fucking mental after this to be fair no you know what no I, I, I'm i happy to stand up for this film more thing about it it's better than the second one this knows what it wants to be and just pushes that and the second film I think had a bit of an identity crisis or at least Fred Ward was a bit prouder than he should have been, maybe. Kind of pushed against that. Mm. Uh, this film, Michael Gross knows what he wants, and he, he fucking pushes towards it. It's laugh out loud, just ridiculous. With that, uh, perfection, quite realistically, I think, has been turned into a tourist town. A tourist trap. Yeah. And all around the world, you've got like shitty towns with one claim to fame, it's the saddest thing in the world. I love fucking looking them up. I know America. Uh, you live somewhere in New York. Yep. Right, Brandon? Yep. Yep. Right. So, well, I do I remember the town, but I think that's where the Niagara Falls is on the US side, right? Uh, yes. Up, uh, up near Buffalo. I've been told it's hugely commercialized, the US <laughs> side of it. Canada's actually worse, from what I understand. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. I thought it was the other US, way around. 
U.S. started stepping in and was heavily. Re- we started heavily regulating this stuff to try to take a try to take away from all this uh, the the overspending, the ripping people off. Canada, on the other hand, there that's where it supposedly is where it's worse now. Yeah, what the fuck do Canada have? They have snow, moose, and maple syrup. Niagara Falls. They need to make the money somehow. <laughs> they can keep Justin Bieber though. They got they've got Carly Rae Jepsen. To be fair, one of the best artists of our time. Yep, that's Kieran's world view. I think it's time to stop. I'm seeing her in London. <laughs> so excited! I'm probably going to drag you along to it because no one else is going to come. Yeah, I'll sing along to one song. <laughs> Worst song in a fucking catalogue. Yeah. And I'll sing it wrong. In this country, um, in terms of location, you, you've got Stonehenge, which is a shit show now. Uh, Johnny Groats and Land's End, which are the two like ones on the farthest end of Scotland, ones on the lowest end of England. Furthest Southerly Point, Lizard's End you've got, uh, which commercialised as shit. But this makes a lot of sense, that a small town finds one little claim to fame and people come fucking running to milk it to shit. Makes a lot of sense. And it's quite fun, because they get like ridiculous billboards and shit. Mm-hmm. And kind of what I expect, I don't know, like one billboard of the fucking monster of blah blah blah. I watch a lot of big Bigfoot shows um, in America, and you go through, they go through towns where they have like one specific monster that takes up that county is what they usually say the fucking devil beast of yellow county home to the mothman and shit like that jersey devil stuff yeah yeah. that kind of shit one the the big like if you're the biggest city that i think has made their claim off of one thing is uh roswell aliens and shit obviously Uh, that's not like these balls. There's one that actually succeeded in building their fame off that. It's it's still a pathetic level. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many people like drive fucking through it, but it, it's not going to be anything <laughs> like. I mean, it played destroy humans. It's not going to be anywhere near as fun as that shit. <laughs> They've got like alien costumes and little signs, and it's going to be some shit. Oh, like from, like Paul. Actually, yeah, that's perfect. Way of putting it. It's gonna be more yeah. like Paul, the um, Simon Pegg, Nick Cage, Nick Cage Nick reference, Frost film. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we miss said Nick that's Frost. <laughs> but, as that was. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, with with the actual town, they're they're making money through that ish. They're getting by more. Melvin is trying. He's like a little Silicon Valley cunt. He's selling real estate. I don't know, he's that sleazy, just out-of-town prick that comes in with the gelled-up hair. He's got a fucking beeper, like from the 90s. Those little things where he puts an earpiece in and he can take calls and you want to punch him in the fucking face. So, So, two things. One... Because I had to skip through this film, I didn't actually realise that this town was the town, same town as the first one. So yep. that's that. Two, Melvin, the, the annoying kid from one, is the annoying guy with the fucking pager and the Escalade or, or the fucking, like, 4 by 4 in this one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd fucking... Yeah, maybe you should have strangled him in the first one so he doesn't turn up in this one. 
Oh, he gets his comeuppance. Oh, that's right. We've mentioned it like five fucking times. He ends up getting a grapple just circling <laughs> him like fucking vultures over a dying corpse. It's a bit inhumane, if anything. Yeah, fucking shed in a tear for him. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, someone I am shutting a tear for, though. Earl opens the theme park with Grady. I, oh, why? Just why? Oh, is it mentioned in this? Yeah, it's fucking mentioned, oh. like, explicitly. Not, not explicitly, offhand. There's a bit. Uh, well, we could open a theme park here, like Earl did, and he did really well with Grady. Fuck you. I don't, like, offhand ruin Fred Ward's legacy around Tremors. Poor bastard. Not in anything after this. That's all he's got. Corrupting that with fucking Grady. <laughs> Miserable. Um, and so in terms of the characters as well, uh, I know you, Brandon, you hated Grady. Uh, Jack, did you hate him as much as I did? <laughs> from the from the start, I think I warmed to him through the film. But at the start, I think he's built to be yeah, unlikable. They did a good job to make him unlike. I mean, here's the thing: I watched the second one and then the third one right after it. So, Grady was still painfully in my mind, so Jack actually came off as a little bit of a relief for me. I, I, I just No, that's fair. I yeah. mean, comparing the two, I'll take Jack, he seemed a little bit more competent in all sectors. Grady just seemed like he should have died at every moment, and just... No, they just wouldn't allow it. To take a metaphor we took from fucking Chud, I think the way I'd look at it in that case is, like, where you have a load of pain in your leg and you punch your own arm to try to get your mind off the pain in your leg because it's slightly more tolerable. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I do hate him. I think okay. that, that's your intent, um, which I, I don't think is an excuse. I shouldn't hate a character or I shouldn't want to not watch a character more. There are plenty of characters in fiction that I, I do despise. Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men. Uh, the Joker in Dark Knight Rises. Um, I'm trying to think of someone really fucking sleazy. Uh, yeah, the Devil in that Keanu Reeves Al Pacino film, Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate watching them. I hate them. Well, I hate them, but I love watching them. I adore every minute of it. They're absolute sleazebags, scumbags, but I fucking love it. Yeah, they've got some kind of charisma to them and something that kind of gets you, keeps you watching. Yeah, exactly. It, it's palpable. You can fucking taste it. It's, it's beautiful. Like that coin-tossing scene in No Country for Old Men. Oh, I'm trying to fucking think of someone who is, like, irredeemably horrible. House That Jack Built is a film that I've come up with earlier and one we are going to cover eventually. Um, which is about a psychopath who goes around killing people and children in like monstrous fucking ways and he's going down seven circles of hell with Virgo uh, bit of fucking lore about the show that's one of the reasons I call the show seven circles because I fucking love that film yeah he, he's absolutely monstrous and you still fucking love watching him you don't root for him at all in any way shape or form if you do I don't want to talk to you ever you're a psychopath but it's that charisma is that palpable I want to know what he fucking says next mm-hmm. adoration that Jack doesn't fucking have in this film he's the most bone dry 
white guy. He's so bland. He's like fucking mayonnaise on a sandwich with some mild cheddar cheese. And then someone sprinkled on top some fucking brie to try to make it, I don't know, different, hipsterish, but failed. See, the way I look at things is whether I love or hate the character, if I'm invested in their story and seeing what they do, it's it, it's a good film or character or whatnot. It's the same that I am with films anyway. But if I'm sitting here and watching and I'm like, I couldn't really care if they never turn up again in the next scene or if they are whatever, it's not really... It's not really a good character or a good way to spend time in the film if the characters have no redeeming qualities or anything. Like, there's no there's no reason to be invested in them. Yeah, especially especially in these films, like straight to DVD garbage. I'm here to be entertained. Yeah. I, and that's something we like with the start of this film. Besides the amazing AA gun scene, it's it felt like the character introductions just kind of dragged on in a way and made it because i think there was points where i was just sitting there going i really want to fast forward through this i really want to i said i would watch this i don't watch it oh i've had people in past guests like having fast forward through stuff and i didn't know until they told me <laughs> after you could have done it yeah especially seeing as the person like the co-host of this this yeah. podcast actually fast forward <laughs> I have to watch through the shit twice to give you guys notes. Yeah. I fucking supplement everyone. You could have done it. You aren't doing it for the next lot. I'm now going to stream it for you to make sure you do watch them. (laughs) Because I'm a cunt. Yeah. uh, I I know what you mean, though. The first half of the film, I couldn't stand. I suppose Earl was there, which made it slightly more tolerable. Fred Ward, great actor. In this film, uh, Michael fucking gross wasn't in it quite as much. They had a few main characters that were moving around. He wasn't intertwined with all of them all the time. I could watch his character all fucking day. I could watch a film for him. But Jody, Jack, I couldn't give less of a fuck about Mindy, who... I don't blame the actress for it, uh, from Jurassic Park, obviously, who did a good job in that. But for this, she was just so fucking bland. The writing, there was nothing there. It's having her to have her, that's what it felt like. They really didn't have much to do with her. Yeah, I think that's it at the end of the day. Uh, she's Just go for a few things plot-wise. She's working as a waitress at the moment, Mindy, uh, because they couldn't afford the... University fees, college fees, which I know work different in the US. In this country, you can kind of get a loan and pretend it doesn't exist for a few years. Until you're starting to make damn payments on it. Yeah, that's about accurate with the US. Our system is just, it's, it's, it's shit with our power college. And, uh, yeah, and she wasn't actually working as a waitress. She was a f- working at an Arby's, which is like, is a fast food joint here. Is it a shit one? Yeah, it's shit. It's like I know I like we only get um, McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, and Subway, the big US ones we get. We don't have Wendy's. Um, we don't have 
What we don't have a Wendy's. We we used to have a Wendy's in town in Birmingham City Centre that got closed down. Uh, we used. Well, I think we've got a Taco Bell, but it's like in fucking London. Oh, we've got Chiquitos. <laughs> got the oh, next yeah, got shittest thing. Chiquitos. Yeah. Yeah. This. What a burger we don't have, which is Texas. Yeah, probably. that is. Uh, Oklahoma also, but. So Arby's, in terms of like McDonald's, baking, KFC, just for the people listening, whereabouts is that rank? Uh, in terms of that, quality-wise? It's probably going to be about on par. They're, what they do differently is they do uh, roast beef sandwiches. And it's That's something. just dried, sliced roast beef. It's If you're in a pinch, it's edible. But I mean, it's, it's, it's any, like any other fast food joint. You're getting what you're getting. Also insulting for this girl, either way. But yes, not quite as much as yeah, McDonald's could be. It's needing money. It's you're just getting a job to have money, as you figure out what the hell to do with your life. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, fair. That's, that's what she's pitching at. Uh, with all this, the town. I mean, she's working in the next town over which they mentioned a few times uh a good few of them do by the end of the film because half the town and their industry is destroyed because they have a graboid just wandering around by the end of the film which is safe yeah i i think it... <sighs> you know i might as well go over it now yeah go ahead steph if if there's a if there's a town that you know has been attacked by like grab asses, I understand making it a, a tourist attraction to be like, "Hey, come where the monsters were," but wouldn't you be like, I don't know, afraid that there'd be more grab asses? I mean, if you're bringing more people into the fucking area where it killed like seven people, like half of the town's population, <laughs> from a creature that's um. A- Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, hermaphrodite, they say, that it can metamorphosize and can create new beings yeah. by itself because that's safe. As the town people kept putting in the movie, it's been 11 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> but still, like, I understand, okay, maybe, maybe fucking. 11 years have passed and no one's been attacked but still like i don't know i i they if have a, no i was just gonna say if a serial killer was like around i don't know pick a random place if if a serial killer was in manchester right now and it was all over the news and they're like hey fucking he's here somewhere or sorry they're here because Women can be serial killers too. Um, Sorry, is that after my like leagues of fucking racism and sexism? Yeah, with, with this your entire sexism, podcast, I, my, I, I, I have my to hating on Mexicans through this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be like, oh, I, th- I guess the first place I'm going to is Manchester to get myself some serial killer memorabilia. Thank you very much. The sad thing is, in the states. No, we yeah, that, if we can make a UK. fucking mutt buck off it, we'll fucking do it. And guess what? People are going to go see, go to it. But they it's... had the Yorkshire Ripper Museum fairly fast after the Yorkshire Ripper was captured. Got in. They've got Charles Bronson. He's got a museum. Uh, down wherever the fuck he was incarcerated. Yeah, Craze well... have got something. I know. Talking about local gangs. If anyone's 
fucking interesting. You got the Burger Boys, you got the White Johnsons from Wolverhampton and the Johnson crew, the original guys, the Bang Bang crew. They've all got stuff here and there. The sell Yeah, they've all got shitty names. I suppose that's a good Yeah. Um... Bang Bang crew. The fucking like nine year olds come up with a gang name. We call the White Johnsons. The White Johnsons because the Johnsons already existed and I presume they were mildly racist. <laughs> or hugely uncreative. Couldn't even come up with like difference between Dairy Milk and Milky Way. Couldn't even make that fucking leap. But yeah, I, I just think it's... I don't know. I know there's people out there that are like fucking groupies for serial killers and like they'd be like, as soon as you get out of jail I'll marry you. Please don't kill me. But I don't know. It, it's just it seems batshit insane to me. I guess maybe because I'm not actually like a person. <laughs> but no, no, it's perfectly fair. I mean, I think it works really well with this town, though. Yeah. Um, middle of nowhere, they capitalise on a tiny brand that they have. It's yeah, just inbuilt really nicely. Uh, and. Beyond all that, beyond the town kind of being stylized in this touristy... You know what? I think the best way of putting it, actually, if any of you have ever played those rollercoaster tycoon games or Planet yeah. Coaster, it's yeah. like that. <laughs> like, it, it's someone in a roller ty- rollercoaster tycoon game making, like, a scenery area. It's so over-the-top, so themed. Uh, but it's great. It works really well for the film. Beyond that, you've got the prepper porn, which is full fucking throttle for the entirety of this innuendo Com- completely fucking um i've lost my words intended that's the one innuendo intended yeah they hit heavily on this and it's always this it's always confirming his bias of people f- saying he's cr- nuts but it's everything that happens just reaffirms his 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 prepperness. So it's... I mean, that's every prepper's wet dream is knowing that everything they're doing is done because they were the smarter people. You know, you got the aerial that Miguel fails to fix up. You've got thing that Nancy fails to mess with, uh, the electronics. It's, it's always that Bert's got the best way of doing it. Which, like, in any other fucking situation on Earth, he's the madman that no one talks to. He's the crazy uncle. It's just that you happen to film this one fucking scenario that he's uh, turned out right. Yeah, it's just propaganda. It's prepper porn. I I can live with it because I love Bert. (laughs) More scenes with Bert's always great. Uh, For at least this film. And I know I said like they overuse him a lot, and he's not a great main character because they've got no one to push him off of, which is true. But for at least this film, it's so over the top and so ridiculous that I can, yeah, I can, I can live with it. Yeah, she's got like a fucking basement fortress thing built up with steel, uh, reinforced concrete, with a security system that never comes up again. Like it's got a ten second countdown on it but they never bring it up in any fucking fashion again after pushing that, which is a shame. Even after, like, bashing the gate down with a fucking truck, like, security system doesn't come on, what the fuck do you need to push this thing on for? I was hoping to see some, like, turrets come out, TF2-style, like, engineers' <laughs> turrets, just shoot to shit. 
<laughs> the only thing that I could think is they've taken it out during editing and they've forgotten to take out the part where they're like, yeah, we've got a top-of-the-line security system. To be fair, what would the security system be? Beyond, I suppose, like C4 just blowing up the entire area, like a tactical to be fair, that's been... If, even if it just made noise, it would still be like a decent one with these fucks if they're the the graboids that can be like, oh, noise attracts us. If it just made noise somewhere else, that would probably be a decent. Yeah, it'd work. You know what's annoying me now? I just realised. Have you seen the... Oh, fucking... I can't remember his name now. From The Office, the guy who plays Jim. John... Um, no, not John DeBerthel. Um I know who no. you're on about. John... Kaczynski. married Emily Blunt yeah. in Quiet Place. So much of that, the logic in that film could have been solved using Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> if you've watched, made those films, watch Tremors 3. Push on that, the whole sound shit. The real like push on this film, you have the graboids that are coming in, pushing towards the centre, slowly but surely. Very similarly to the first film, which is a shame, really, that they didn't utilise that more. And didn't have the graboids slowly pushing along in the same routes. Have the same ticking time bomb kind of aspect. Which they could have really emphasised. But it was very wishy-washy on that element. Because the ass grabbers and they decided to go in that direction. Not just rehash. Uh, which I think for once they could have really done. It would have been fun to some extent. I suppose straight to DVD. You can't always push on this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think when it goes straight to DVD, I think you might have to leave certain things on the cutting room floor and be like, yeah, we probably can't do that. I suppose to an extent. You need it cheap and fun. It's six million, though. Yeah, I mean... It's about a dead sheep here and there. Just fucking go buy a Welsh guy. You can buy a good few thousand sheep off the prick for a million. (laughs) Just them killed in the field. No, you'd probably be buying his girlfriend off him. Gonna add a drum roll to that one, like a little. <laughs> You're welcome. Really emphasise that. Yeah, every everyone does the Welsh sheep shaking jokes. I put, joke, so. I put like, the Welsh anthem after it. Really <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of the actual film structure-wise, I mentioned this earlier, but Bert doesn't really work as a singular protagonist, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I think he works a lot better as a supporting character. I, the problem comes; he's, he's quite comedic in his very nature. To an extent, I mean, he's depressing as fuck because Heather left him. And he's just, like, bringing on this lie of a life to pretend that he's still a productive member of society and moving his conscience forward to make himself happy. It, it's really fucking depressing and sad at the same time that he's just a waste in society. Heather's fucking left him, so he's dragging and fucking melting into a comforter, is... surrounded by TV dinners. I don't know. It's fucking sad. Yeah, is he still like wallowing? He said it's been eleven years after the first film. I think he film. fucking is. You know, off screen, I can see the like sadness in his eyes. <laughs> I think that's just because it's another Trimus film, but he keeps making them so. Oh, he loves making them. I think these like projects he uses are to remind, not remind him to, but to forget that he's a lonely prick that that's <laughs> on his own, surrounded by fences. He builds fences upon fences. 
to keep people out and all he wants is to have someone come in and tell him that they love him. Uh, also, this film was made in, what, 2001? I don't remember... Yeah. like I Because I obviously kept on skipping through it. Does it look like a 2001 film? Does it look like a 2001 film? Um, yeah. I don't think it's badly made. Do you think what 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 have we done in two thousand one? Juride, Juride to two thousand three, I think, the third one. About on par with that. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to be that harsh. It was better than that. <laughs> it's quite a bit better than that. Made fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, plot wise, Bert builds builds an impenetrable fortress that is not progressed upon by ingenuity from the graboids but them evolving and going oh yeah they can go over now because we say so we say they can um because fuck you it's not clever in any way shape or form because you get the ass blasters ass blasters (laughs) that can hop the fence quite literally which shouldn't be able to to be fair because they shouldn't know he's there at all. They can't hear or see. So they shouldn't even go for the basement. But the film needs them to, so hey oh, that's how it's going. Uh through the first part, so you have Jack who goes on a really unlikable tour, like a little safari thing, and they have a fake graboid attack where they have little explosions here and there and he drives them away and then tries to sell them, which is very realistic, I'll grant you. Tries to sell them like drinks, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, and graboid grape, and orange flavored, which I've I've seen on tours around. It happens. It feels like a shit, but pricks like this exist. And afterwards, he gets a someone to take a picture with Bert, which is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I. This is one of the scenes that I skipped onto, and. Just seeing like this really excited like woman walk up to him, put her arms around him, and but look mildly irritated and unhappy that <laughs> he's having to do this, just kind of makes me happy. <laughs> I guess because I'm that annoyed, irritated person that if anyone comes near me, I'm like for fuck's sake. <laughs> and it, it really pushes passed through the first act which i'm happy about because this part is shit you are right brandon like you introduced jody who i couldn't give a fuck about you introduced jack who i couldn't give a fuck about you introduce um mindy back who i can give a fuck about nancy who i can give a fuck about probably the only two people i have any care to survive one of which dies is miguel and bert you could have just left it and just gone forward i suppose i've they wouldn't have had enough content to create a feature fucking film. <laughs> They'd have missed all this shit out. Yeah, it just it just doesn't work well. And yeah, I'm with you. Bert and Miguel was the only people I were like really liking in this. And of course, they asked, they killed Miguel because he wouldn't come it. back for a fourth one, presumably. I <laughs> uh, so the government plan. We mentioned it in fucking... Was it Chud? We mentioned the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. I think so? Yeah, the first Chud. And uh, I know they've come up before. 
but they kind of come up again. The government plan to say that you can't hunt shit in this area based on some law about reptiles, which is, I've looked this up, mostly bullshit. There's no way this could have come into action this quickly. They were going with the Endangered Species Act. Look through. That fucking Roosevelt shit wouldn't fly this quickly. You could do all the uh, self-preservation, protection shit. There's no way they could have got away with this. It, It flies like shit as well. Sending three people out to check on the graboids that have slaughtered entire towns and Mexican fucking armaments, oil rigs. I feel like on US soil, I don't know, that they'd have oh. the 17 bombers out. It really was weird having this. Um, they can use eminent domain. And that is a theory the government has used here before where they can remove you from your property as long as they give you fair compensation. And it has held up in our courts. Okay, fair enough. Stand corrected. It's, it sounds shit. You don't think it's possible. And then, yeah, it, it is very possible. Do you know any, any time that's happened? <laughs> People listening in. Fair enough if you don't. I'll just edit through. But. Um, so there's a town. I forgot the town's name. But there's a town in Pennsylvania where uh, it's the coal mine fire. And the government has used eminent domain to buy up the land for people to get them out of there. And honestly, it's for their safety, but there are still some stragglers still living who absolutely refuse to leave. Uh, There's been other worse cases of where we have literally kicked people off their land because of of threats from, like in World War II, there was a threat of Japan... invade in Alaska, so we literally m- removed people from their lands, land and house soldiers there. <laughs> There's been stories of, like, someone's trying to build a house, but someone spotted an endangered species that no one else has seen there, and the guy has to create this huge plan in which he will show how he will protect this species that n- never been hasn't been sighted since on his land, so that he can build his house. It's there's there are scenarios of where eminent domain does come in and other where the EPAs are just total asses. So Oh, there you fucking go. Anyone listening, uh EPA. The Simpsons were right, fucking kick them out <laughs> of your community. <laughs> EPA They're killed anyway. So you got the comeuppance. For trying to defend endangered species, bastards that they are. They, uh, I think, two of them get killed off screen. One of them has like his back fucking slashed open. He comes round like, what's that? What's red and white all over, rolling down a fucking hill? That old joke about Santa Claus going down a hill. It, he's covered in uh, fire extinguisher foam, and his his back's been broke fucking open cracked and slashed to bits as he falls down dead partway through one of the EPA members partway through this uh, you have really have two halves to this thing they're trying to work out a plan to deal with these things around the government and one where they're dealing with the aftermath where they're fucked and they're being attacked by ass blasters they have a really great scene as well 
where um, the government come up at the start and every single character has a different thing that they have to shout out to the government that presumably they're doing illegally or non-illegally, but they have permits for. <laughs> Which, I believe, Bert has gun permits, Second Amendment shit he spouts out. Uh, Miguel has shit about his cattle and environmental protection land stuff. Oh, no, it wasn't his cattle. What was it? It was his cousin. Married to? No, it was implying shit. his cousin was illegal here. Because <laughs> the the one agent I believe was FBI, the guy that shows the badge. Yeah, he was. So yeah, he's so Bert's just spat off the second minute. You got Miguel, who's like, oh, I don't know nothing about my cousin, which I think they were heavily implying the guy came over here illegally. And then you had the, the Jack going, oh yeah, I have permits for all this. <laughs> I mean, for for a small town in the middle of nowhere, I fucking love it. You know they'd have a prepared speech ready. Just to spout off the second someone comes around with any notion of a badge. That's just great. Yeah, they fob them off the best they can. Obviously, the government are there to actually stop them from hunting because some fucking moron... I don't know who they phoned. <laughs> Presumably, you'd have to phone like the local police force in Bigsby and go, yeah, I need the FBI for environmental reasons and then the Bigsby police would go, fuck off. Not our problem. I don't know, it's pretty fucking internet, really. I don't know of method you go to get the FBI in this quickly. Maybe I'm not creative enough. Unless they had a uh, Grabloid hotline. Yeah, maybe it's just a panic button. <laughs> <laughs> Installed on all phones. Yeah. It's literally, you You can dial 999 or you could just hit the Graboid panic button. These poor free fuckers have been around for the last 11 years waiting for that thing to be pushed like the fucking bat signal coming up in the air. <laughs> Charging out to just spout off fucking legislation. What a load of sad twats. What, us for watching these films? Yeah, I agree. Bit of both. <laughs> I, can, I can see it. <laughs> With all this stuff, they want to hunt can't not let uh, Melvin's a little bitch as you know now that's a bit of an understatement there Melvin's an absolute twat and throws a PA at Bert to try to kill him with one of the um, graboids they, they have a confrontation where Bert finds Melvin says all oh, graboids are around and Melvin chucks a PA I don't know if it's accidentally at Bert or if it's purposefully at him to try to get the lands from under him uh, I think it, I think he was just an idiot, and when he went to throw it away, he was just being a little bitch and just threw it straight to the ground, being a complete another fucking moron. Yeah. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and choose that one. And Bert nearly gets fucking... I suppose eaten more than killed because he can survive these things somehow. <laughs> as long as they swallow you whole, you're okay. Yeah, might as well go on to that now, to be fair. Uh, Bert's eaten by one of the graboids. He survives with a little bit of air. He knows how much is in there. And can just be dragged along with the digestive system, presumably. He comes out fucking skeletaloid and regenerates his own skin from the hydrochloric acid based in the stomach of a graboid. I, I know I said jump the shark in the last fucking film, but I think this really does Fonzie-style jump the shark. In terms of someone getting swallowed by a graboid, it's fucking great. I love it, but it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but you don't kind. Of, yeah, I don't think you watch. 
I don't think you watch horror films for them to be realistic. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll say horror films. This isn't really a horror film at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't think you watch things like this, or at least you don't watch sequels of things like this if you want them to be realistic in some in some way. Like, I think the more sequels that you watch after the first one, the the less realism you could probably yeah i think that's fair because um, I, I think later on and we haven't watched them yet but i assume the later films become just batshit insane i assume i don't know i really don't no I that's that's just a prediction that's just a prediction that i've put out all there. i know is it goes to the wild west and jamie kennedy is bert's son from scream 2 you know the the guy knows all about the horror films scream 1 yeah that's bert's son there you go it doesn't sound like it's going in a, um, a lucid direction. Uh, might as well quickly make mention of the white whale, which is, I, I'm presuming a... I don't want to sound like a fucking lit idiot nerd here because it's obvious as anything. I don't want to you know, make it sound like I'm coming up with some amazing new revelation. It's a Moby Dick reference, right? Uh, everyone got that. Wow, what yeah. an amazing revelation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to make that sound like I was being a dick. <laughs> kind of with, oh, when you look at this, it's Moby Dick, which none but the most prestigious of eaten level arse rapers could come up with. They're pretty much slapping you in the face with it. I mean... Yeah, that, that's what yeah. it went. <laughs> it's so obvious. I, I feel like they think they're smarter than they are. Uh, it traps them. On a bit of rock, uh, which is just before we learn about the ass blasters, and they come up with a strategy. They come with a strategy of music, which uh, Bert and Mindy uh, culminate towards. Mindy puts a load of music along a radio and chucks it along, which I, th- I think it was something comedic. I think it was something funny. I can't remember for shit now and I didn't write it down because I'm too deaf to hear this stuff beyond my <laughs> subtitles half the time. I know for the, the second film they had a comedic line on it where they had like running away blah 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 banjo lines for the um, graboid that had grabbed the radio. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they carried that on with us. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of pulls... The frozen radio, which is emitting the music, which is on the other side. The graboid runs towards that, and they're saved because they're currently stuck on rocks and shit. And this is kind of pushing forward a little where we are introduced to the ass blasters. Yes! I'm not happy about the ass blasters. Open. I think they look like fucking... There's a series in the UK called Primeval. They look like primeval fucking Doctor Who villains from Torchwood. They're awful. They're a culmination of the unimaginative and frankly bereft of intelligence writers of this film. I do love the film. I that fucking out. I really love the film. It's like straight to DVD piece of shit. But this really does show a complete lack of belief in your own writing skill to innovate around problems to go, well, we don't know how what we're going to do, we don't know how we're going to make these interesting, so we're going to give them wings because that gives another dimension for us to use. That's the best way to show I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. 
Uh, I don't know how to make this amusing in any way, shape, or form. We're, we're going to give them wings, and they're going to shit fire, quite literally. Don't fucking remind me. <laughs> I... Wait, they shit fire? Yeah. Yes. They shit fire. What? I they, missed it. Ass, ass blasters. <laughs> literally. Alright, I'm gonna have to go back and watch this. <laughs> I, is, it the, is it the case that they came up with the name first or the fucking design first? I imagine they came up with the design first because Graboid and Ass Blasters are con- two completely different things. Like I, I, I mixed them together because grab ass is just a normal phrase, and I don't know how you would have gone from graboids to ass blasters, unless they were like, "Hey, maybe if they just fired something from their well, ass." They reuse a load of scenes and dialogue from the first film, and just push it against. Um, I think Chang's niece, but it's her uncle Chang. From the first film, they should push it onto her. I think it's meant to be funny. There's a bargaining scene that was similar to Chang with the whole $15 buying the tongue of the Graboid. In the earlier scene, she goes $50, for a uh, actual living fucking Graboid. Dead Graboid, as it were. It's just terrible. It's trying to push back against an earlier thing that just doesn't work. It, it's not so unfunny. It's insulting. It's just not anything. It's empty. Uh, which what culminates in, as you were saying earlier, that the first half of this film is just tedious. It's a slog to get through until like Bert is given full reign to fire on shit as he wills with potato guns and shit. Oh my god. Uh, it's been another hour. Do you guys mind taking another just five minutes? Yeah. 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 All right, gotta go. Uh, first thing I want to make mention in the kind of last section of the film and that culminates towards the end is the love songs around Mindy. I just want to absolutely make that clear that they are bullshit. And even compared to Katie and Earl in the second film, uh, Joel, not Joel, Jody and Jack, fucking Jays. Over here, have no fucking chemistry. It's just the amazing on-screen chemistry that's broadcasted by the love songs that tells us these people are deeply in love. They've been like fucking for years. They're in a marriage that's lasted 30 years, nowhere near divorce. They've got four kids. That's what the music tells you. On screen, they're in a fucking year breakup where one's punched the other in the fucking eye going to prison <laughs> miserable relationship no one wants to see anyone anymore or like an incel it's like an incel coming on to a girl in his own head that's what the love song sounds like I'm going to sound really old what's an incel? fucking hell oh okay no you're not really old you're just um, lucky I suppose uh, an incel is an involuntary celibate he's a nice guy uh, yeah a nice guy if, if you know that term. Oh, so a dude that can't get laid. Uh, who takes it to an ah. extreme. There have been like eight terrorist attacks yeah, last yeah, year yeah. Uh, from incels. Like the fourth highest in terms of actual terrorist actions. They're insane people oh, right, okay. who just can't get laid. They're built sperm. They don't know how to wank apparently or they've not got the arm strength to do so. <laughs> and 
they bring out their sexual frustration by killing people. Imagine being such a virgin that you kill people. <laughs> At least none of the characters... I, I can't. None of the characters in this are that far gone. I haven't had a first fucking kiss and I'm 21. I haven't killed anyone yet. <laughs> find... Keyword. Find yet. porn. Just find porn online. You get to my point, you do go into the weird <laughs> stuff, you go into the leather shit, you go into the bizarre TG shit. <laughs> but you don't kill anyone. You know, it's tomato, tomato. You're a fucking weirdo, but you don't murder anyone. Oh, I ain't fucking killing you. It's all right for it. anyway for you, mate, because uh, <laughs> he lives near me and he knows where I live. You live in America, you're okay. You I've, 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 yeah, there, there are plenty more movies for me. <laughs> this is my fucking I'm going to suffer you with the curse worse of living. Insult. <laughs> Killing you slowly. <laughs> Talking of which, uh, their plan for the radio would just work. They go around, find the ass blasters, and Miguel... I'm doing my little British salute here. Don't know what the uh, American. Have you got like open hand, long way up, short way down in America for the army? Uh, where's we're palm uh, palm in, come to the eyebrow. Oh, that's yeah. The uh, well, the the English archer salute is the classic two fingers up for Americans or English watching. Uh, two separate salutes for the army across the way. Oh. We are open palm all the way. Long way round, basically, you do a kind of fucking jumping jack all the way round to the eyebrow, and then short way down. Americans, apparently, short way up. You come up the uh, shirt seam, so your center, palm in towards your face, bring your middle finger to the tip of your eyebrow, and then come back down the same way. There you go. Don't ever tell us you didn't learn anything. You learned that in this fucking episode, and you learned about Chuddy's meaning underpants in... Punjabi. <laughs> so pointless. You're welcome. Yeah, for the last. Uh, before we go to useless shit, the truck that uh, Bert has, he sets it off as a distraction during this segment. He puts a hammer box on the accelerator and then is surprised later when it's destroyed. Like, you've seen them fucking move. They can go at a fair speed and. You aren't messing with the gear stick, so the gearbox on this thing is going to be fucked. Oh no, shit! You guys don't do manual, do you? Uh, we 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 have some. We still do have some, but we're mostly automatic here. Forget about that. Yeah. So your gearbox would be fucked to anything. I so think you'd need the clutch. You have do you have clutch your man automatics? I've never driven an automatic. Uh, no, there's no clutch for automaticus. So. Yeah, he fucking loves them every day. Uh, okay, so his truck might have been alright if it hadn't crashed into any of the number of rocks in Perfection Valley, which it almost assuredly would have. It would have been fucked anyway. Yeah, that thing, that once he did that, it, sh- it was screwed. It had no chance it was at fucked. Life. It wasn't going to continue on for miles on end and then cross <laughs> the fucking world, go all the way around under the ocean and come back a few <laughs> days later. It, it was fucked. Why he was surprised and annoyed that it was destroyed... I have no idea. He should have made his piece then and there. Uh, I'm more worryingly Miguel impaled, which is a real shame. I'm trying to think. Of all the actors, beyond Earl and Valentine, who I do respect, and Rhonda, to, to an extent. Now, I don't think there's anyone else still alive that the actor 
is low enough that they're willing to partake in another sequel of Tremors that I'd like to see come back. I think they should have kept Miguel alive. Well, if I remember right, the actor that does play Miguel is actually dead. He's got a black and white photo, so I'm presuming enough. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to very quickly take a look. There's Tony Gennaro, who was very good in this, I want to make absolute mention of. Tony Gennaro is dead in 2014. Could have been in a lot more fucking Travis films. I suppose you got killed the um, long names. I think to, what was it, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where they kill off uh, Nancy, Dream Warriors. And you've got Halloween, where you uh, kill off Jamie. Or, I suppose, I say kill her off. You just write her out of the franchise. You usually get fed up with all the pagan shit. But yeah, I'm not going to force you through those anytime soon. I'd have to watch through them again. I, I, I've never watched any of them. that miserable. So anyone who's like sat through all the Halloweens knows it's not fun for anyone. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, with that, the Ass Blasters, no fans <laughs> here, they kill off uh, Miguel, real shame. The evolution chain, so I just want to get this in a fucking voice here, in writing to the extent we can in this format, at least, for the podcasting. So it goes... Graboids, Shriekers, Ass Blasters, then it transfers back to Graboids and it goes back down that chain. But the Shriekers can make more Shriekers if they feel like it. Is that right? That's what they have presented. At least for now. God fucking knows what new evolutionary chain they're going to add on to the link by the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th film. I mean, it, I'm, never mind, I'm not saying that, I'm just going to curse myself. You, you know, nope. in the first iteration of the draft for the first film, they were going to be able to mimic human speech at the Graboids, just in the first Tremors, but they thought it was going to go too over the top in terms of powers that they were going to give to the Graboids, over-convolute it, over-complicate it, all that kind of shit. Which they should have really learned from, because this is ridiculous. <laughs> no one's surviving this shit. They're going to take over the world. A, a fucking how, when you've got these three different evolutionary chains. You've got air combat, fucking ground combat, the little chicken dodo hoppers, and the underground, the, by far the most attacking thing, the most dangerous thing. You're destroyed, you're fucked. You're gone. As long as we got Bert, we'll be alright. Uh, as long as we got Bert, as long as his uh, actor yeah. continues the contract, presumably. <laughs> uh, so, I, I'm going to kind of go through the last part of the film quite speedily, because I don't think there's much to talk on. The junkyard scenes. Uh, they find that the ass blasters are comatose if you feed them enough. They just go completely flat, which doesn't make much sense, but fuck it, who cares at this point? Uh, they say that to Bert. I think it's a joke. It's meant to be a joke because he blows up all his MREs in his own home just after this comes true, which he presumably spent all his like fucking royalties from CNN on. <laughs> which is, I'm, you know, actually is pretty funny. Real quick on the bunker, am I, am I the only... 
So they're sitting there heating up the door. Is it literally just sitting there shitting on the door until it melts through? Is that what I'm to gather with these things? Yeah, it, it makes no fucking sense. It sounds okay. like it. Just making sure. I didn't realize that they fired fire until you mentioned it, but... It, it, it doesn't make any sense that they get there at all, that they start bashing that down at any point, because their heat signature is blocked by a fucking door through the last film, and through this film you've got a mattress that they block their heat signatures through because conduction and convection currents aren't a thing that exist in this universe at least. So the the ass blasters really shouldn't have even bothered Earl. Uh, sorry, not Earl. Shouldn't have even bothered Bert at any point during any of this. That bit where that you're talking about the bit where they were like breaking into the uh sanctuary for Bert. They, yeah. they shouldn't have fucked the shouldn't have fucked with them at all. He should have been completely yeah. blind. Even before the panic room shit. Shouldn't have come anywhere close to the room. It's ridiculous. If a fucking graboid can't bash through the concrete surface, then this pussy little what's that chicken from um, Legends of Zelda? I know you waste your life with Nintendo shit stuff. That pussy chicken from Legend of Zelda. Yeah. I don't know, I've never played Zelda. I, I, I don't know what you're fair. The only chicken I know of is the ones that if you hit them too many times will brutally murder you. Chicken boy? Ch- chocker boy? A chocobo. Chocobo? Chocobo. Chocobo. That's, that's Final n- Fantasy. Yeah, that's Final Fantasy. No wonder why no one knows no. what the fuck you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't waste my time with man boy stuff. How dare you, sir? I shall what? ride a chocobo to your house and slap you the dick out of... Yeah, they look like fucking chocobos. And they, they ain't crashing through a roof. Depends what kind of chocobo you've got. Uh, and they crash through the ceiling and all that shit. Bert blows up his own home because that's a reasonable response to something crashing through your own ceiling. Killing one object, one creature, and destroying all your own guns, you fucking moron. I, I was really disappointed that he did not have more guns in the panic room. Yeah, he, he should have had, like, nine guns on himself, just hidden around an ankle holster, a fucking neck holster, a tiny little purse gun that stuck up his dick, <laughs> an M14 he could pull out of his ass. Semtex, he could just regurgitate up his own mouth. <laughs> I feel like I've dug myself to a hole that I'm really not getting out yeah, of in terms of I, I, I think here. this is how you can tell how drunk... Uh, uh, Kieran actually is. <laughs> <laughs> what when he's trying to throw up something? <laughs> yeah, pull a pistol out of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> he pushes away there, blows his own place up. That's I it's all a joke when Mindy and Nancy push over that they can get off on food. They go comatose with the, all the MREs, which makes no fucking sense anyway. With the whole circle of life shit that these. Graboids have got. They hide in a porta potty when they get to a junkyard, which is owned by, I believe, Edgar from the first film, The Drunkard, which is how they notion off all the alcohol that's on site during all that, uh, which feels stupid and feels like a joke again that they're trying to make but isn't funny in any way, shape, or form. And then the potato gun idea. Uh, it's not really a thing in this country, potato guns. Yeah. 
We don't. I, I... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we don't. Anything that means we have to put effort in, we don't do that here. Um, I know that, like, or at least I've seen it on TV shows where they go, like, nah, fuck it, we're going to make a, a potato gun for a science project, or we're going to do it just to shoot shit. But, uh, yeah, I've never seen a potato gun in England or ever heard of one here. I mean, you got that in America, you got potato guns, um, you've got shooting galleries, all that shit, axe throwing. Oh, yeah. In this country, what do we have? We have midget throwing in Scotland, where they throw dwarves <laughs> in Velcro. And we've got cheese racing, where people break their own fucking legs <laughs> running down a hill after cheese. Uh, no, we, there was a weekend, we some friends, we got bored, and we made a potato gun. PCP piping, it's a grill starter, and hairspray, and a bunch of potatoes. Maybe you can um, answer a question then. I've, I've seen it in House MD, where he builds a potato gun alongside the Dr. Hunter, played by Olivia Wilde, uh, and they shoot a fellow potato gun enthusiast. Would that kill him with a world-class potato gun? Would that kill him? I mean... Off the bat. Put enough. Point blank. Point blank? I don't... It shouldn't? I mean... The, if point blank, yes. Because if you can generate enough force and that, that potato holds together, it can probably do serious damage. and probably break some stuff and either cause it, break some ribs that might puncture the lung or something else vital. <sighs> But, I mean, you... I don't see the potato really holding together. That's my big thing. Um, potato gun in this, don't use a potato, obviously. They use a pipe, which is coated in whiskey from Earl's... Not Earl, sorry. Uh, Edgar's stash. And then he's lit on fire with a cloth. I'm not going to go too far into this because I don't want to be like, fucking legally attacked. But I have lit a Molotov cocktail in my life or two. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't use whiskey because it doesn't fucking go up for shit. Yeah, that's. I think that was the only thing I was thinking when I saw it. I was like, they said moonshine. They say they say moonshine and then they say whiskey and then they use whiskey. If you want to do a proper Molotov cocktail, look up the Anarchist Cookbook because I'm not giving the actual ingredients because I don't want to be fucking put in prison. Uh, but yeah, the potato guns built up. I don't know if it work. I'm presuming, to be fair, for a little bit. The fire... I know fire arrows absolutely don't work in real life. Logistics of them, you know, you, you pretty much you blow it on them all the time. It's a massive amount of wind, a massive amount of... Uh, which it just blows them out instantly. I think that's my favourite comment I've ever heard you say. There's a, there's a fair amount of... <laughs> I had to sing a song to it. I had a proper like, little whistle to it. Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't work. It, it's got too much coldness to it, cold air to it. It blows it out. But eh, for film, shit, go for it. I know I'm contradicting myself more and more. Um, sound like a hypocrite, but it, as I said, it's, it's straight DVD garbage. Fucking go for it. And I'll pick it apart, but I still love it. Uh, and they're pretty much... It's like Safe Park style, blowing up ass clouds. I don't know. It's something I could see fucking Randy from Safe Park doing, just blowing up big piles of shit. 
with giant flaming arrows, open up some new Guinness World Record or blow up walls or shit. It's ridiculous, but I can live with it for at least early 2000 stuff. They try to justify it with a scene where they burn some oil blood earlier in. So that makes it all alright. Bits that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, the albino graboid killing a ass blaster. Fucking hate it. They have a watch, which I didn't mention earlier, but I'm going to play now describe. It's a watch that is sonically taking account of the time at is it Washington DC he says Colorado Colorado, uh, and it has the exact second of daylight to it they may mention it a few times which is the most pointless fucking design ever and I feel it's arbitrarily created just to make Bert seem like more of a weirdo than they've put across before can't see anyone owning this piece of shit except some autistic nutter who needs to know exactly when daylight happens. Yeah, he has this sonic thing that sends out a signal that uh, drags across the great white albino graboid, which isn't really ever capitalised upon. You have an earlier encounter at the stones, and then it's at the junkyard, and that's about it. I think there's just two. Um, obviously it attacks him at his home that is one but beyond those three then I correct me if I'm wrong I think that's it I think you got it I don't even know what we're talking about anymore <laughs> I, I genuinely just start formulating the plot of the 4th 5th and 6th and 7th <laughs> <laughs> just just insert cowboys and you should be fine oh okay that works <laughs> either way through this um, he throws the watch on the graboid, the albino graboid, to eat up the final one, which Jack does in a kind of redemption arc for being a complete and total cunt. He saves their lives, which I don't think really pays off, to be honest. I could live with Bert dying if I didn't have to meet Jack. And hey-ho ends the film where Jack goes off to fuck Jody because he says, oh, there are pretty clouds in the sky. Don't you want to go see those clouds? Oh, that's a smooth pickup line, that is. I'm paraphrasing. Abs- paraphrasing marginally. Oh. Yeah, you just didn't mention the type of clouds. you got to be specific on the clouds, and that's what makes it work, apparently. As I said earlier, ask a thousand girls out, eventually you hit one. Or a hundred girls out. Ask a hundred girls out, eventually hit one. Yeah, I was going to say, you added an extra zero to that. I think I was compensating for myself there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, the Albano Graboid as well at the end is kept around. So Melvin is on a little bit of rock. It's left out. Uh, and they... So I, I think I gather that Bert has reinforced concrete under each of the houses, which you'd need, uh, presumably around the town itself, which would cost a shitload. Reinforced bedding, he says at one point. Which I don't know what that is. Unless that's just like fucking hammocks. That or could be referring to like the the bedding for the, where the houses set the foundation. Which it seems redundant at best. Oh, that, that makes sense. But yeah, he decides that having an albino graboid around is preferable 
to having new neighbours with houses in the villa in the yeah. uh, valley. <laughs> to be fair, people are pricks. Not you guys, you guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take people over giant monstrous creature that killed me. Like eight times out of ten. I've got one neighbour called Sheila who I fucking hate, but you're the eight I can live with. To be fair, I've lived in this house for 29 years. I still don't know my neighbours. And if you had a graboid, your brother would be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's why I know I'd be safe. He'd still be eating him. He's a big boy. <laughs> I you didn't watch the last episode after the whole fucking bunker thing. Basement dweller. I, I don't think so. His sex dungeon now. We haven't. Uh, we haven't. He hasn't mentioned. So with that kind of convoluted uh, transcription of the plot of the three films, they convoluted. <laughs> we'll just fucking throwing shit at the wall, seeing what plot bits stick. We do a thing at the end, Brandon, where we give recommendations of the three films, kind of a gladiatorial style, thumbs up, thumbs down and then give recommendations of other films in the same general genre, if either you like these things or you want something vaguely similar but different, to take a different slant on it. Uh, so first off, thumbs up, thumbs down of the three films. Which would you recommend? Which wouldn't you? Um, so obviously the first one, I would absolutely... I would... In the end, I would would recommend all three they're they're fun films to watch one i would pay the most attention to because that is actually the most enjoyable two and three don't be sober don't have to really think about it and just gonna zone out and watch them and they're just entertaining so i i recommend all three on those yeah that's fair uh anything like genre wise you'd recommend if enjoyed those to carry on with beyond like those sequels uh, oh, okay, that's a hard one. Uh, I'll just give another creature feature one that I've recently watched. Um, so if you're kind of like those different kind of creatures, you like these creature features where the, it's not just some guy in a mask stabbing people or something like that, or it goes. Uh, a movie, the movie I've recently watched, uh, The Ritual, I thought the monster in that was actually pre-created, and I think the overall story was really enjoyable. The um, one set in, like, Norway? Yep. I can't remember the other country. With, like, four mates. British lads. Yep. Yeah. And it's supposedly one of the sons of Loki that is hunting them down. Goes along with that. Um, yeah, that's really fun. It's a lot less comedic. It is a lot, lot less comedic. But I think they, that is a really cool design I liked, and it was a really good movie. Uh, Steph, thumbs up, thumbs down, for the first film at least. For one, yes, and because I didn't watch the last two technically, yes, watch them, watch them all. You know what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to force you to watch them all because it's going to take me a while to edit these. I'm going to stream them back and then I'm going to re-edit it. You giving a yes or no? Monotone again? Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, (laughs) Anything you recommend outside of Tremors that you... Kind of think of, 
Yes, I've got two recommendations, and obviously one of them's probably everyone's already watched anyway. Um, so Critters is one of them because fuck, I love Critters. Film. Classic uh, Gremlins um, throw off. Yep, and the second one I was going to uh, suggest was Gremlins. To be fair, <laughs> so there you go. Fair enough. Nice and straightforward. Uh, as for myself, first one gets thumbs up. Watch it wherever. Second and third, get drunk and sit down and watch them with mates. I think you can watch them solo. I enjoyed them, but you can't be fucking sober through this stuff. Or you can't have them as your primary source of entertainment through the time. It'll drive you mental. Uh, In terms of recommendations, I'm going to go a bit sideways on this one. I'm going to go away from horror like I did last time for Chud 2. And say, in terms of the first one at least... If you really liked the dynamic between Valentine and Earl, I'm going to recommend a couple of buddy cop films a bit differently. Uh, first off, I disparaged it to shit, but R.I.P.D. with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> and um, Jeff Bridges, yep, which has that kind of dynamic in there with Kevin Bacon hamming it up to shit. Uh, but otherwise, nice guys with uh, the Australian madman. New Zealand madman who fucking from Gladiator. What's his fucking name? Russell Crowe? Yeah, Russell Crowe. That's the one. And Ryan Gosling. Great 60s throwback, which not quite the same era or 70s throwback. Uh, And Lethal Weapon, if you want the same kind of dynamic between the two leads. And the same level of comedy. Go for Ritual if you want the horror side of stuff, the creature feature side of stuff, and that kind of thing if you want the comedy duo side of stuff uh, so in terms of news just to finish off from this shit show <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're doing I've I, I mentioned Resident Evil next week uh, we're going to be doing Tremors again uh, we're going to com- We're going to continue on Resident Evil fuck off am I going to continue Tremors after we've finished all the ones that have already come out and we're going to do a few singles over the next few weeks we are going to keep this weekly best we can for the time being I think that's it uh, so for those fucking brave enough to have kept along for those that have fell asleep and haven't turned this podcast off have a good one and cheers for listening well thanks for falling asleep to my lovely lovely voice thanks for having me y'all uh, it's been a pleasure and bye bye bye